from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interwebs? We're back. In Southeast Aurora, recording the podcast with me as always, Ross Clear Glasses Martin. Whoa, howdy, folks! <laughs> Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys <laughs> podcast. <laughs> CSG, where the West lives, lives on and on, will not die. Making his way all the way down here to the Southlands area, the King of Thornton, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? I, you didn't deviate from my uh, my introduction, so I, I wasn't thrown off. <laughs> That's I good. Didn't. By the way, I just don't see any reason why we need to be advertising where we're podcasting from. Why? Just you know, future reference. Nope. Well, we don't want to solely. Are you saying? To... Are you saying that someone's going to come to Southeast Aurora and? Uh... Well, no. Nobody <laughs> wants to go to Southeast Aurora. I'm just saying, yeah, including me. This isn't yeah. really Aurora. It's, let's call it Southlands. From <laughs> let's now just on. say Denver from now on. Denver. Denver-ish. Yeah. Just Denver. But yeah. we're Colorado they, sports guys. We're not Denver sports. They don't guys. know. They don't know where we actually are. It could be in Los Angeles. They do. We could be high above the streets now of they do. Denver, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> you want to re-record the intro? No, it's fine. But, you know, <laughs> I just didn't sound very good. Jesus. I thought it sounded great. Southlands. Well, you were blinded by your own. Blinded by the light. On this, on this end of things, it didn't sound good. Damn. It sounded bad. Damn. Well, Damn. Sorry. the it good was... news is we'll be back at it next week. You are? can try it again. You are? Okay, great. We'll give it a whirl. Sounds good. So what do we got going here, guys? We got some uh, High Hops Brewery beers this evening out of Windsor, Colorado, up, Windsor. up near Fort Collins. Near Foco. This is not bad. It's a little patronizing, this can. It's, it's uh, trying too hard. Yeah, this can, this chick is definitely almost naked. Well, so you guys got, wait, wait, which ones do you guys have? I have the golden one. You both have the golden one, right? I'm drinking the honeyed one. Honeyed. I got the... What is this? The Power of Zeus. It tells me this beer is made for camping, climbing, hiking, friends, disc golf, tree houses, fishing. Yeah. Not approved to podcast. In this <laughs> That's beer. true. Apparently yeah, I, mine, not. Mine says uh, the same thing. I don't have disc golf on mine. See, this is, this is the problem. Wait, wait. Yeah, no, I got frothing. Yeah, yeah. This is the only problem. This beer is pretty good. This beer, the golden one. But my problem is this whole uh, lifestyle that they're trying to sell with it. Like, why are they trying to mimic, you know, Bud Light, Coors Light? They sell lifestyle as opposed to beer. And they're like, well, if you move to Colorado, you're definitely going to want to drink this beer. If you're like a Colorado person, you're going to go camping, climbing. You're going to play disc golf. Tree houses? What does that even mean? Like we're giving kids beer now? Yeah, and their slogan sucks. All types of beer for all types of people. Just people who do camp as diverse as people who go camping, go climbing, have friends, go hiking, tree houses, disc golf, and fishing. That's pretty much just one type of person. If it's good that is them. white people in Colorado who just <laughs> moved here from Chicago. I'm very curious about the tree houses. Well, though. So, this so, it, 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 this is, official beer of tree houses. Well, apparently, apparently, this is all their beer because I got the high hops one, and it is. The Let's, High Hops is the name of the brewery. Is it? Oh, shit. Let's pray to What's God. What's it called then? Because I say Power of Zeus, and that's all I got that's here. That's the name of the beer. Yeah. 
Well, then what, that doesn't really describe what it is. It's, and then the upper right-hand corner, there's a little tab that tells you the flavor. That should be a pale ale, I think. Hopefully the Master Brewer doesn't listen to this podcast. This American one, Pale Ale. does, and he hires somebody. This is very hoppy. Very good hobby. at marketing. Uh, here's a good – so this is ale brewed with spices. Hmm. Hey, look at this. So this one's called the honeyed one, and then on the can it says, contains no honey. You bastards. Okay, well, why is it called honey? You know who doesn't care about that, Nate? Tree houses. <laughs> That's true. You know what else? Fishing doesn't care about that. Hey, this thing uh, pairs how about, well. How about friends? Do friends care about that? You says, know who doesn't care about that? Disc golf. <laughs> says this beer pairs well with people, friends, family, and the outdoors. So it pairs well with people, so I have to turn to cannibalism at some point. <laughs> pairs oh well God. with people. I will say this. This beer is pretty good. I'm pleasantly surprised to see that this very light golden ale, which does taste a little spicy, has an alcohol of 6.3% uh, by volume. That is pretty good. This beer, 6.3 is pretty high for a light beer like this. I can see through it. Hey, well done. I think we need to send your marketing, Ross. Your beer is good. Your marketing is garbage. I hate your can. That's Ross's next step. We're going to send him to Windsor, redesign the cans for all types of beer for all types of people, except for blacks, Hispanics, (laughs) Jews. Oh, my God. This is just (laughs) for white. We're drinking racism. This is for white. This is apparently for white white beer, white white people (laughs) beer. It says for Catholics. Mine says for Catholics, no Protestants. (laughs) Doesn't actually say that. Everything else was true except for the race. Yeah, oh, I'm back. Well, he is back. Yeah, yeah. Violin's back. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not a bad beer. It's it's the, the, at least this uh, this pale ale is not bad. Yeah, but it's you know it's delicious beer. I will say it's, that uh, it's well good. Yeah, but I agree that the marketing sucks. This Don't judge is, a beer by the can. This can is <laughs> it's true. It's like didn't Titan change their packaging recently? Yes, they're, they're, I hate it. With the, uh, I I don't particularly like it. It's like a light green, kind of cartoony. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it was like a really nice packaging before. Ross, you said last week you didn't even notice it. No, they I changed. did not notice. And you're a beer snob, so that's. Um, it's on a scale of this to that. That is ten. This is negative ten. Whatever this can is, but it is delicious. Well, see, you know, probably available, highly discounted. A lot of these somewhere. cans from I've noticed these these uh, small breweries. It's very hit or miss on the design of the labels. You know, some of them they're way too busy. Some of them are very clean. So, anyway. best cans, best labels. Got to hand it to New Belgium. They have the best ones. I'd say best cans, Pamela Anderson. Nineteen ninety four. Best, New Belgium, cans. best cans. Oh yeah, the labels on the bottles. Oh yeah. Best. What about declaration? What's that again? Ooh, I'll show you. There's one in the fridge. You'll check it out. They kind of right. have... Uh, I'll have that after the next break. They kind of have graphic art. Is that it? What, is the, what are the comics from uh, Walking Dead? What are those called? Uh, the, graphic, the, novels. The graphic novels. Yeah, yeah it's kind of the kind of looks like graphic novel animation on the can, oh. I think. It's kind of cool. Groovy. Anyway, talking about the, uh, the Walking Dead, are you guys keeping up with the show? No. Excuse me? No, I'm not. Ooh. I have a problem. Walking Dead, the last two seasons, I thought just kept getting better and better and better. Now, here's the difference. That's a problem? This season and this season. So I uh, don't know if you guys know this, but several years ago, I canceled oh, my cable subscription. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Get out of here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So this is breaking news to me. Yeah, yeah. I have never heard this before. I know. <laughs> I know. It's amazing that I've been able to keep it to myself for all these years. But... So what I ended up doing was I ended up buying the 
episodes week by week on Amazon, instant video. Cost like two bucks or something? Yeah, two bucks. And no, I get the HD version. It's three. Yeah. You buy as a season, it's like 25, 30 bucks. But anyway, I'm watching these episodes and it's very cinematic and it's great. There's great Mm -hmm. uh, drama. There's good uh, ebbs and flows and tension and all this stuff. So this year, I went and I bought a subscription to Sling TV. Not to be, cu- be confused with Slingbox. We've got, I think we've gone over this okay. before on the show. <laughs> they just called it the same thing for yeah. some reason. So whenever I tell people I have Sling TV, they go, oh, Slingbox? Ah, no, it's not that because they're stupid. So now I watch it with commercials, and it's unwatchable. Ugh. There is equal – I think it's got to be – equal or very close to equal commercials to actual show and it's just constant interruptions to where it's i don't know i just got accustomed to not watching with commercials i don't i don't know how people do it so i'm totally disinterested couldn't watch fear of the walking dead because of it i got fear, this fear of the walking uh, dead was good i liked it I actually have comcast and they have this crazy contraption it's a dvr you can record yeah, shows I'm, and I'm fast forward it. the commercials yeah, yeah. so yeah so they charge you more right yeah and then you they then they give you the ability to remove the commercials on Sling TV. No, no, on your thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So they already know nobody wants to watch commercials, right? And I don't understand why they can't figure it out. So you've gone like high tech, but also old school. Yeah, it's like it's that's a step back. <laughs> just just here's the thing, but they only charge you twenty dollars or maybe it's even fifteen dollars. So it's like not even worth canceling. So I just sit there and watch it and get pissed off. Yeah. And the main reason I got it was for live sports on, and particularly Monday Night Football. But it's such a garbage feed. It's a garbage. It doesn't work. It stops. It loads. It, it cuts out. Half the time it doesn't work. Just everybody out there, do yourself a favor and do not get Sling TV. <laughs> listen to you two losers. You, and the four you know, listen, people. what I do, what I do is I pay people to reenact the things for me. <laughs> It's so much more vivid and lifelike. It reminds you including of... Including the, the killing. It harkens you back to your childhood of watching Lawrence Welk shows, right? You know, it, it, I have people reenact Lawrence Welk for me, <laughs> including the awkward staring and the uh, the kind of elevator music. It's, hey, it's, it, it's not. It's like big band music, right? Yes, you know? kind of. Put, it was even before... on the Ritz, uh, baby. Before you gathered around the radio, even this is like you had no choice when you were a kid, but to go see live performance. There was no TV. That's when uh, that's when radios were powered by steam. I just understand how that works. Uh, The old steam gag. (laughs) The old they uh, old Cleveland steamer. They had uh, five stout men to work the bellows. I always like that on, uh, remember Titanic when it shows like the dudes down in the bowels of the ship, like the coal guys shoveling the shit in there? Was that real? That really happened? Oh, yeah. Crazy. Titanic was 100% factually accurate. <laughs> How many of those guys that had to shovel coal into like trains, boats? What was the, what do you think the age is there when they died? What do you call it? Life expectancy or something? Pretty low. 25? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I would say something about that. That is rough. So yep. you haven't watched Jeff. You've been watching Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I love it, man! It's so good. It's. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for Ross. You want me to really step out for a minute? <laughs> Should I go nah. to the soundproof chamber? I mean, yeah, soundproof step chamber. Step into the soundproof Please. chamber. Uh, but it, yeah, it's really good. Now, I like Fear the Walking Dead too. I mean, you know, it's the in Ross is right. It has been getting better and better. I like the I concept agree. of Fear the Walking Dead. I think. Did you watch the whole season of that, Ross? No, no, couldn't do it. 
I kind and of. And the other thing on Sling TV, they have on demand, but then they remove it from on demand like after two weeks. Oh, that's super. So one annoying. of the best things about having you know internet access to television shows is binge watching. Can't even do that. Yeah, can't do it. That's garbage. So I'll tell you guys all what I think about this season of The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead in about two and a half years when it's on Netflix. <laughs> you guys, yes, want, will you guys the, still want to talk about it? That is of the course. that is the annoying thing that uh, you really have to wait forever for things to get on Netflix. There is a there is a program on Netflix um, that's in England. It's it's called George Gently, Inspector George Gently. It's really 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 good, but it takes forever for these seasons to show up on Netflix. Ever. And that's the only way you can get it. Uh, Can't Amazon, get it on Amazon. Are you sure? Amazon? I am. Because I used to buy the BBC's Top Gear episodes just two weeks after they aired. I that might be a touch more popular than whatever show Jeff is talking about. I don't know. There's a lot of gays. <laughs> Actually, uh, is, there's Inspector George Gently is uh, not, not necessarily a gay-centric program. So. Oh, he's not? <laughs> not oh. necessarily, but it has sounds, very gay undertones. Sounds pretty gay. <laughs> it, it's probably an old person program, which is what I am. Oh. <laughs> You're that crossover. <laughs> so like Midsummer Murders? You know, is this that, hey. that demographic? No, nah, I do like Midsummer Murders. It's, it's, it's better than Midsummer Murders. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. It's really good. I like all that British bullshit. The OBS of the British. Um, have you guys been to any movies recently? The last one I saw was The Martian. What'd you think? I liked it. It was pretty good. Oh well, tell them about your tell our listeners about your experience with uh, a recommendation that you oh, just yeah. got. Well, I thought I thought in The Martian before I get to that, I thought that Matt Damon actually redeemed himself from that other space type movie that looked awesome in the previews. And Interstellar it sucked. That yes. movie was garbage. God, that was so horrible. boring. I think it was supposed to be some commentary on illegal immigration. I, right? Yeah. I oh, are you talking about Elysium? Or Elysium? Elysium, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not in Interstellar is Matt McConaughey, right? No, yeah, but Matt Damon's in it. Oh, he, he is? Is? Mm-hmm. Oh. is that one still in the theaters? No. No. Darn. Hmm. I missed it. Dang. No, it's uh, it's been out for a while. Thinking with having a kid, no more movies. Not just even at home. Like Rio? Watching just kids' Caillou. movies? Just lots of Caillou. I don't even know what that is. It's great, <laughs> shitty show. Great theme song. <laughs> Excellent theme song. So you like The Martian? Yes. <laughs> I'm glad we've established that. Good. It was good. We're off for a roaring start. It was good. <laughs> Fantastic. Did you guys do anything for Halloween? Dress up? Go out? Dress up your kid? Tell the story about the other the movie recommendation. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So just a, a guy I work with had loaned me after I watched The Martian. We were talking about it, and he's like, you got, you got to see the right stuff. <laughs> just won all these Academy Awards. The right, like the old one? Yeah. yeah. Like, about John Glenn or something? Yeah, yeah. Scott Glenn's in it. Yeah, it's about the space son? program no, or it's something. No, it's a coincidence. Randy Quaid's in <laughs> we it. We are of no relation, sir. Oh, it was... Randy Quaid? Dennis Quaid. Wait, isn't the right stuff really old? Yeah, it's old. Like how old? It's it. I don't know. Eighties. Oh, it's eighties. Seventies, oh, okay. maybe. Was Clint Eastwood in it or something? No. Huh. I can't name hardly any of the guys in. Oh, uh, what's his name was in it? Uh, Ed Harris is in it. Ed Harris is the man, and he's like pretty young, but he's still bald. Yeah, he came out bald. He's a Gene Hackman guy. 
So those guys hit 25, went bald, and then they never aged again. (laughs) They turned 45 when they were 25, and now they're 70 and they look 45. What age are you, sir? I'm bald. (laughs) I've achieved bald, and now I'm never going to age. Where is Gene Hackman? He retired. He retired after that horrible, horrible movie, Welcome to Mooseport. Yeah, that's a bad one to go out on. (laughs) I would retire if I was in that movie. It was awful. He lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico most of the time in South Florida the other half of the time. And uh, he is a novelist. (laughs) Gene Hackman was one of my favorite actors. Hell yeah. Gene Hackman is... I I don't know if you guys ever seen The French Connection, but it was an amazing movie. Watched it within the last year, Yeah, and it was pretty good, but I I think it's overrated. You don't like the car chase? It might have been outstanding for the time, Mm -hmm. and I still enjoyed it, but it was a little over... A little overrated. There, there was some new movie I think they were coming out with recently that was like not the sequel because they had a sequel, but almost like a retelling of that story. Really? But anyway, I forget the details. But French Connection was good. But you know, is this a pretty easy premise? Like, if you say we're talking about Gene Hackman going out after Mooseport, which sucked. Yeah, is it pretty easy to say like, okay, so you look at Tupac, Kurt Cobain, these guys. They're romanticized because they never got to go. They went out on top, basically. Yeah, 100%. If Kurt Cobain was still alive today, he would be considered a, a everybody loser would think or something, a loser. right? Yeah, because you look at like. Um, Have we talked about this before? I feel like we've talked about this recently. Maybe. Because I look at like Eminem, and he has those albums where it's like, okay, any rapper really, it's like their first album or two is good, and it's got all this heart, whatever. And then it's like they run out of stuff to talk about because they're rich and famous and there's like no struggle anymore. So they're talking about like problems they have being rich you can't relate to. And then they try to come back with some like going back to their roots albums and then it's nothing ever works. There's a key difference between Tupac and Kurt Cobain, right? Kurt Cobain would have flaked out, flamed out, become kind of a has-been, I think, because his music defined such a short period of time in – culture right tupac i mean he was like his lifestyle is still being i mean everybody's trying to emulate what he talked about right yeah he would have thrived for years and years i wonder what he would have been i wonder what he would have done like i wonder if he still would have had rap albums or if he would have he probably would have had he would have had an oscar or two under his belt something he was really moving into (laughs) acting wasn't he he was good too i thought he was a damn good what was that what was that movie uh uh, um jungle fever was it wasn't that he in that movie? And uh, he was in. Uh, think about Wesley Snipes. In I don't Jungle think he was Jungle Fever. No, no, I don't think he was in that. Jeff. I thought he was in Jungle Fever. Poetic Justice, <laughs> Gridlocked, Above the Rim. Let he just see. kind of always played himself, though. I mean, from the beginning. Yeah, like, that's Tupac playing Tupac. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen him do some more acting, some serious oh, roles. Yeah, for it sure, been fun. Yeah, been a lot of fun. Should we wait for Jeff to look up? Well, uh, you know, Gene Hackman uh, went out with a terrible movie, and so did. Oh, uh, I was just going to ask that trivia, but you had to, did you look it up or no? And so did uh, Sean Connery. He was his last movie yeah. was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, that movie sucked. Oh, that yeah, that, I never even watched that. Although you, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen kind of reminds me of Guardians of the Galaxy, just for some weird reason. And I loved Guardians of the Galaxy. Thought that was good. I think a lot of people liked that movie. It was it was good because it had good music in it. Yeah, it did. Right? Have it was music like a music video after music video after music video. Right? Yeah. Who 
anybody know what Joe Pesci's last movie was before he retired? And by the way, didn't even realize he retired. Did he retire? He's done. He hasn't made a movie in 10 years. Do actors ever retire? It's kind of, they're kind of like boxers, right? They just kind of say they retire and come back every once in well, a while. Well, boxers come back because they run out of money. Yeah. So do actors, right? Some do. but Nick I Cage? Mean, well, Nick Cage never retired. <laughs> He just had like he just ran out of twenty money. mansions oh, and like a hundred Lamborghinis, and he's insane. He he, one of the worst movies I've ever seen is The Wicker Man. Yeah, that yeah. is that, that was one of the bad ones. That was I mean not the bees. Ah oh, oh god, it was horrible. That's a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been the beginning of his tax break. <laughs> <laughs> but now he's in all those uh, Christian movies. Oh, Left Behind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or at least one of them. That's another uh, weird thing. Movies do that sometimes, right? Like, there's the leftovers on HBO, and then there's the left behind movie, which is the exact same story. It is? Is it? Yes. It's just a different... It's on an airplane versus being, like, on the ground, basically. But so, it's still the story of the Bible of... Oh, it is? The leftovers is the Bible? Yeah. Oh, it is? Oh, okay. No, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either. Loosely, I think. But oh. and then you look at like there was like no strings attached and friends with benefits came out within like a year of each other. Mm-hmm. Exact same freaking movie. Mm-hmm. You know? Wyatt Earp yeah. and Tombstone. Yeah, Wyatt Earp, Tombstone. Wyatt and Tur- uh, you know what? Tombstone kills Wyatt. Yeah. Wyatt Earp was okay, but Wyatt Earp was legendary. I disagree. They're completely different movies. They are different. They're different movies. And they're I both enjoy excellent. them both. Yeah. And the only reason why Dennis Quaid isn't lauded for his performance of Doc Holliday, which was outstanding was just because Val Kilmer nailed it so bad. Oof, so good. Yeah. So bad. And I'll watch anything. He was really good at acting for that part. I'll watch anything with Kevin Costner, too. Although he's I, the man. I haven't seen that new one with him where he's raising like that little baby. I don't know. I'm kind of pissed at Kevin Costner today. Why? Why? We can talk about it later in Bronco Talk. but <laughs> Interesting. He screwed up that whole deal today. <laughs> Boy. Well, let's get it. Let's, let's we'll talk st- about it later. Should we talk? <laughs> Stick a little, to acting. Costner. You want to talk a little Broncos? Should we talk a little Broncos? Or making some moves that, that Ross Martin thought they would never make. <laughs> Me? Trades? Yes. Did I say that? Hell yes. We need to get the crowd noise. Did, put the crowd did. noise in. We got. We got to get transition to this because we transition into some Broncos. Yeah. Okay. I believe, so I believe what the happened? exact quote. From I think a week ago, or no, two weeks no, ago, two weeks, like two two episodes ago, was me rallying for the Broncos to add some more offensive firepower, and Ross saying that trades don't happen in the NFL, and it's not going to happen. They're not going to trade. For I said that. I think so. I oh, believe okay. that. I'm was, paraphrasing. That now. was the the <laughs> the gist of your argument. <laughs> sound like something I believe, I but I also believe Jeff agreed with you on this topic. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's all right. He was the loud one. The point remains. Um, that that's pretty much true, and I suppose you're saying that what happened yesterday with the Broncos trading some worthless picks for Vernon Davis is like, what does that prove me wrong? Yes. Okay. Well, they attempted to trade for uh, Joe Thomas, too, today. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Costner screwed it up. All right. I mean, well, you, let, let I'm sorry. You get lucky on one draft day one th- years ago. <laughs> And you think you can just walk around and make, you think you're big shit now? And you can start making these crazy demands to John frickin' Elway? Sorry, pal. <laughs> Hit the bricks. Yeah. Get your draft day shit out of here, <laughs> Costner. <laughs> Go make Tin Cup 2. <laughs> Tin Cup. The one sequel people have actually been clamoring for. <laughs> instead of all these other stupid comic book bullshit. I loved Tin Cup. That yeah, was a phenomenal it's a, movie. It's a perfect movie. God, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't seen that movie for ages. 
Oh, it's so good. Uh, but anyway, so the Broncos get Vernon Davis, 31-year-old tight end from the 49ers. Is he 31? Yeah. Wow. He's been in the league for 10 years, dude. Oh, really? It's crazy. It feels like he's like a 60-year guy. underachieving years. 10 underachieving. <laughs> so here's my thing with Was Vernon he drafted Davis. by Mike Nolan when Mike Nolan was there? I believe he was. Probably. But here's the thing with him. He's another one of these guys that had a stellar combine, right? Workout freak. Ran like a four two or four three forty at the combine. Excellent body probably, for a six yeah. foot three inch two hundred and fifty pound guy. It's unbelievable. So all of a sudden now expectations I think were placed on him to be something that he never was. He wasn't this like amazing transformational tight end. He was just a guy that ran fast at a combine yeah. and never really was able to put together. You, you mean know, you mean um, the underwear thing? You know, everyone looks better in their underwear. Yeah, kind of thing in the combine. Yeah. So, because it's like you said, Ross, ten disappointing years. But were they disappointing? I mean, he wasn't great in college. He didn't go to a great college. Are you are you arguing that he's overachieved? He's like overachieved yet underachieved at the same time hmm. because I think he had unrealistic expectations placed upon him, and. As far as I know, I have one friend that's a psychotic 49ers fan, hates Vernon Davis's guts, wanted him off the team, mm-hmm. super happy that the Broncos made this deal. But for Denver, I mean, there's no risk, right? No risk. They gave, it's, what, a six-round pick and a seventh-round pick or something like that? And they're getting back. If Vernon Davis leaves, they get a compensatory seventh-round pick, which means basically it's a wash. You know, They don't really lose anything. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. But it's not a... It's not some sort of blockbuster move, yeah. which I guess when I say trades don't happen in the NFL, certainly not midseason, that's, that's what I'm talking about, right? You're never going to see some major marquee movement happen. I mean, that like was... Like Champ Bailey for uh, Clinton Portis. You yeah, know? Which, Those are never going to happen. Which didn't happen during the season. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right? I mean, that's a... Damn it, he got me that, there, That's an off... I mean, there are big trades in the offseason, but never, like, in the NBA where you see, you know, big yeah. moves and around trade deadline. What was that... Before you continue, what was that trade that happened a couple of years ago with the Colts and the um, and the Browns? Oh, um, Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson. Yeah, which that was, was like, the, the only one. That was, at the time, considered a blockbuster. Then Trent Richardson, like, flamed out of the league immediately. Yeah. So, exactly. So that's the type... I mean, when you're talking about the NFL trade deadline has passed and pretty much the biggest move made out of the half dozen or whatever was Vernon Davis to the Broncos. And so there you go. That, that, that happened. Yeah. Now I, I heard something today that now the Broncos have four tight ends and I know about what's his face and the other guy. Oh, and Daniels, Virgil green. And now Vernon, who's the fourth tight end. They, they had some other guy that they had waived and then they, brought Capri Bibbs up to the team, and then they waved Capri Bibbs and re-signed whoever this guy is. He's so there is no some name. fourth mystery man tied on. Yeah, mystery man. So That's I think what it means is is that I think the Broncos in L.A. woke up yesterday morning, you know, well, well afternoon probably, you know, breathed his last breath of scotch out of... <laughs> His lungs or whatever, and then was like, Ugh, he's "The like, sunshine hurts." He, this is what he said. He said, "He said, Red ninety eight, we got a good team. <laughs> Can't believe it. I better go do something." Yeah. And Kubiak was like, rolled up, like rolled over. They sleep in the same bed. I don't know if you guys know this. Yeah. Kubiak rolled over, not gay. You know. I thought Coobs is on like the Davenport <laughs> at the end of the bed, just laying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is that what a Davenport is? Yeah, couch. Oh. 
Yeah. Oh, cool. My nice. grandma's from the South. She always That's what we always called it. Um, and uh, he just goes, tight end! <laughs> and then Elway made it happen. <laughs> and uh, so now what it means is that... It means I don't have to watch Owen Daniels anymore, no, which you is will. awesome. You will. You'll have to watch Owen Daniels. You'll just have to watch a lot of them. It means now there's four worthless tight ends on the Broncos as it goes to fantasy football, um, which is going to be fun. But uh, I think it's good. I mean, the Broncos, they, they figured it out finally. And I would argue that the game before they figured it out too against Cleveland, even though it was a pretty shabby game, right? A lot of problems. But You're talking about they figured out the game against the Packers? They just found their mojo, meaning – they they just decided to stop taking half measures, and it was probably Peyton Manning's fault, really, but not because he didn't necessarily didn't have it in him, but because he didn't have the confidence. And so now you saw that in Sunday, uh, Sunday against the the team, the Packers, Packers, the team, <laughs> the team, the that team, we, that we, you know, the, that player. I saw uh, as McDaniel's team. would say, um, <laughs> that team, and they just were like. Screw it. What do we have to lose? Let's just go out and play football. And they played well, and they played loose, and they looked good. And, and, and even against the Browns, they had two 100-yard uh, receivers and a 100-yard rusher, right? I yeah. mean, if you just put that on there, just say that alone, that's a good game, good balanced game. So I, I'm, I've got high hopes, and, and uh, Elway goes out and makes this move, maybe just to kind of, you know, Say hey, we're making moves. We're 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 all in on this season, and see what happens. I, I like. Sometimes you need the best way to put it is like sometimes there's a psychic benefit to a move, and I think psychic benefit. Yeah, it's like what they uh, always said about uh, um, owners of teams. Basically, that there's no real value to owning a sports team, but it's like you get a. A, basically a rush from owning a team, and it's like whether you lose money or not. It's well, kind there, of like, there didn't used to be, but and, sure yeah, as hell it, is but, now. But, it's turned into a big business. With with like a trade like that, you're, there's, you're thinking, okay, you're pumping the team up. You are like saying, like we're all in, except for Owen Daniels. Except for <laughs> Owen Daniels, <laughs> <laughs> out today. And Virgil Green's like, you know, son of a I, bitch. I mean, let me tell you something. Watching <laughs> Owen Daniels run was painful. When he had that one catch for like fifteen yards, it was it was one of the most painful. It was like slow, and you could tell he was really, really trying to get those that those yards. And you're like, this is why he has uh, Peyton Manning has no real tight end uh, reception yards because Virgil Green is big and slow, and Owen Daniels is like no longer leaves fingerprints. He's so old, so you you don't have that. That kind of thing, and that's what the, they were thinking with this. But I think it's more. Owen Daniels of a, is is he older than Vernon Davis? Yeah, is he? Yeah, he's like oh. thirty four. Really? He's been he's been in the league for. I don't have no idea if, if I don't know if Jeff's speaking factually or just making shit up. <laughs> I don't know. You know he has no. Do longer, I have to? Do I no have to? No, you don't have to look it up. I don't no, no, no. Sports. I will if only to who even knows. even if he's younger than Vernon Davis, he's still older than him because he's so damn slow. But here, so here's one thing. So. They make the Vernon Davis trade, which Jeff says signifies to the team we're going for it. They miss on Joe Thomas. According to Adam Schefter, the Browns were looking for two first-round picks, supposedly. Should the Broncos have mortgaged their future to bring in Joe Thomas, who's rated as, I believe, the second-best 
pass blocking left tackle in the NFL, according to footballguys.com or something. That term gets thrown around so much. Mortgage the future, right? Yeah. As if the Broncos have a future, right, to mortgage. You know, I mean, that's something I think that it, that should just re- you should just remove that from your thinking. I think that's a basketball term that gets applied to football because I don't think there's any real mortgaging future. Well, there's so many the, people on Twitter today that I saw after the Broncos missed on this deal that were saying – Good for Elway for being disciplined and for sticking to his guns and not giving up too much for a guy. And it's like, can you give up too much for somebody when you're going for the fucking Super Bowl? I mean, isn't that the ultimate prize? Like, yes. who cares if they Do have to everything. give up two first round picks? You're trying to win right now. Yeah. And, and, and getting, and that's, yeah, exactly. And that's the way they should always be and just say, whatever problems we have a year from now, we can just figure it out. Yeah. And keep in mind that. I don't understand the caps and all that stuff, but I have a pretty good idea where they can find an extra, I don't know, $12, $14 million for next season if that's really the problem. And it might be at the quarterback position, right? So, I mean, if that's the situation, if like, that's what they're worried about, then, you know. And by the way, uh, I don't mean Peyton Manning's going to be gone. I mean, Peyton Manning's going to have to take another pay cut if he wants to pay, play again. Yeah. 100%, right? And... And if the Broncos can win a Super Bowl this year, which is probably their best chance since the last time they were in the Super Bowl, then, I mean... I mean we'll find we, out we, if it's our best we chance. We just beat the best let's, in the NFC. Let's just, let's just reframe this debate, okay? Not really a debate. Let's reframe this into what are your impressions of the Broncos after this win? Was, did it change for you specifically, Ross? No, well, I, pick, I picked the Broncos to win 32-12. to 12. Before we get into that, that stuff... damn close. But still, looking at this, it, it, it not going out and getting an offensive lineman, I, there was a tweet that said the Broncos will rely on Ryan Harris and Tyler Columbus. Is that his name? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going. Former Buffalo. Season. That's not good. I mean, those are the guys you're going to rely on for, like Ross just said, your best chance to win a Super Bowl since the last time you were in the Super Bowl? Well, we'll that say, scares the shit out of I me. I will say that Schofield played his best game as a Bronco against the Packers. He, doesn't he matter. Looked, he looked really good to me. That's fine, but he, he doesn't... He was platooning. He was platooning with Columbus. Pl- platooning with Columbus. But then you still got to play Ryan Harris or Columbus at the other tackle spot, yeah, right? Yeah, but you know, to be honest with you, I saw a better offensive line performance than I've seen all year from them. One game against the injured Packers defense. Kind of injured. you know. Uh, no uh, cornerbacks. Yeah, but uh, they still had a pass rush, and, and uh, Matthews didn't get injured till the third quarter. You know, you can't put this on the injuries. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's like uh, if the Broncos score, you know. I'm saying there's going to be better defensive the linemen Broncos win out there 14 than what the to Packers 10, have. If the Broncos win 14 to 10, maybe you say, all right. You know, the BJ Raj. This was a beatdown. This was a twenty-point beatdown, and there. I mean, this was go to New England and win a game, and then we can talk. I mean, we'll see well, how these guys do. Well, we might they, not they, have. They to. may not have to. They might not have to ever do that. It's yeah. crazy. Patriots are going undefeated, dude. They are amazing. I I don't they, know. I mean, the, people they, are saying that about the, the only Packers, team too. with a winning record they've played is the Jets at the time they played them. I think the same with the Packers. They were talking about the Packers' strength of schedule, and their best win was the Rams. Yeah. The Rams are the yeah. best the, win? The Broncos. The Helter Skelter Rams? Come on. I mean, the Rams Broncos are have good, played actually. three good. They are pretty good, but they're not like, it's not like they 
Packers have beaten all these juggernauts either, you know? There's no real juggernauts in the NFL. The Broncos are a freaking juggernaut. We'll see. Uh, they are officially a juggernaut. And if you don't believe it, after 7-0 and and beats wins against oh, Get out of teams. Denver. <laughs> I'm skeptical. <You> get out! <laughs> I'm skeptical. Go back to acting. You know, but it's go make ten cup three. I after this game, this was, and I said it on Twitter after the game. It was the most complete performance I've ever seen, and not ever seen, but it was one of the most complete performance I've ever seen. Of the run game, the Broncos going. in the last ten years. It was outstanding. I mean, it was like everybody decided that day, and who knows? Maybe it's the Pat Bowen thing. Everybody decided that day that they were gonna. They knew what they were doing. Uh, even Hillman and, and C.J. Anderson have looked like garbage. Should they go back to the blue jerseys? They just all looked good. Maybe it was the blue jerseys. It was not the blue jerseys. <laughs> Wasn't it, though, Ross? <laughs> Didn't he, Lisa? But, I mean, yeah. I mean, you had, <laughs> to create a list, which Ross loves, Demarius Thomas, Peyton Manning, hey guys, Owen so Daniels, know, This guy Green. knows what he's talking about. I can already tell. <laughs> C.J. Anderson, Ronnie Hillman. All those guys were tearing it up, man. All of them. I mean, Hillman's running for touchdowns. Hey, bring me a hey, yeah, bring me a dark one up on the top far right. Give me a honeyed one if they if you. There's no actual honey in there, but they're good. But that that's the thing, right? Like, why do they call that's false advertising? I know, it's, it's maddening. But I think my I think my <laughs> I think that my favorite thing from that game. <laughs> I think that my favorite aspect of that game was watching C.J. Anderson get loose a little bit. Like, I love that guy. I thought he was a total gamer last year. I listened to him on Brandon Cristal's Peel the Onion podcast. He's a great guy. Loves the NBA, which is, you know, awesome in my book. Yeah. Huge fan of C.J. Anderson. Was happy to see him have a good game, score a couple touchdowns, or just with the one? Ronnie uh, Hillman had two. So he had yeah, two, he had CJ one had the and, one, yeah, the 35-yarder yeah. or something. I thought yeah. that was great. That was, that was awesome. It was good. Uh, it was, it was, I, I always came away. It's kind of one of those wins that was kind of transcendent. You know, it was kind of one of those wins that you're like, oh, wow. That was, first of all, the defense. Let's give it up for the defense. Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking for us to? <laughs> no. Um, that was a stellar defensive per- per- performance with yeah seven weeks in a row now for those guys with a a basically no blitzing and one on one coverage. I I don't know how. They, I mean, literally, you you. I mean, the old Pittsburgh Steelers under Dick LeBeau would do a lot of complex blitzing. Okay, that's how they would kind of disguise their their pressure, their pass pressure. The Broncos are getting pressure with Von Miller, um, Ware, and Sh- and your boy, Shaq Barrett. Oh, God, I love him. And I heard he was going to get traded. Yeah, don't guy. ever trade that guy away, son of a... <laughs> <laughs> nice try, Costner. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like Chris Harris, uh, Akeem no Tlaib, um uh, what's his name? Uh, Ward, TJ Ward, David Bruton, David Bruton. It was fouls. it was like everyone just did their. It's like Josh McDaniels again. Do your job. That's literally what happened. Everyone did their job, and nothing. I mean, the only points the Packers scored was because of a, a, a roughing the passer penalty. Literally, only because of that. Otherwise, they would have had three points, which was chicken shit bullshit. Yeah, and 
let it be known, no matter what anybody says, like how sophisticated of a football an analyst or pundit they are, the refs were so one-sided in that game, and it is unquestionable. I didn't feel – I was kind of had the game on in the background. I didn't feel like the refs played an impact. I must have missed that. Oh, come on. That's that the only reason why the Packers got a touchdown was because of the refs. And oh, that yeah, was that like, hit. That was like that the third, third down and long where the Broncos stuffed them and they got the first down out of it. Uh, they would have scored zero points. That's that yeah. 77 yards or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that would have been 27 yards. We were close We and, were close to the, one of the most dominating performances in NFL history. I mean, how do they, how do they call so many defensive holding penalties? Yep. And Aaron Rodgers is back there for minutes, you know, running around with the Broncos getting held all over the place. In one play, I saw four holds and nothing. I'll tell you so, what. So, I mean, the refs, either they were doing it intentionally or they were incompetent. Idiots or assholes, doesn't <laughs> matter to me. They're, it's the same thing. I certainly be. don't mind the secondary getting a little more hands-on. I love it. That's exactly you know, the way Seattle did, did it. Yeah. yeah. And Seattle did they, that. The, the Patriots in the early the 2000s system, did that. baby. That's how they beat Manning's teams. They, they, they can't would call that every time. So, yeah. I, I, pre, I mean, the, the penalty on Aaron Rodgers, that uh, Rodgers. roughing the passer, that was kind of stupid, I must say. That was dumb. Mm-hmm. He should know better than that. But um, And that was an okay penalty to call, but it was still too lopsided. But If I can go ahead and relate everything to the uh, Nuggets here. I heard a post-game interview with Peyton with one of the ESPN guys. I don't know if it's Sal Palantonio. Oh, Sal Pal? Sal Pal. Uh, but he's asking Peyton once again about the offense. You know, Are you getting more comfortable now? Is this finally starting to work? And you know, Peyton's... Basically, if you read through the lines, Peyton's saying, I hate the offense. We're trying to get through it. And that's basically... When did you hear that? It was after the game, right before oh. Peyton's presser, right after one of the two. And Peyton was saying, you know, you know we're doing all we can. You know, it's, it's been tough. We're, we're trying to find some compromises. And, you know, you can just tell he's basically trying to say, I hate it, but it is what it is. Like, he's the I coach. Didn't, I didn't the hear player. that, but interesting. Yeah. So, and to me, it related back to when Andre Godala was with the Nuggets, and we asked him so often in the <laughs> locker room, you know, guys would ask him, well, how do you feel about the offense, or are you getting more comfortable? And he'd always say, well, he'd tiptoe around it. He would never really answer it and just say, yeah, you know, we're working to find my role, find my place, and blah, blah, blah. And it just, uh, it just never really happened. Do you know what that bell is? Every time you hear this bell, you will know that you have just heard the worst analogy ever in the history of humankind. <laughs> it's a very, very great analogy. <laughs> you just compared Peyton Manning to Andre Iguodala. Oh, oh that's the why NBA you... Finals MVP? That's why Andre Iguodala. That's why he's upset. It's Andre Iguodala. Iguodala was yeah. the biggest piece of shit ever to put on a Nuggets uniform. <laughs> Sorry, I just disparaged the NBA Finals MVP, Andre Iguodala. <laughs> he's a bona fide piece of shit. I mean, that, there's nothing more and nothing less to Andre Iguodala than that. A piece of steaming shit. 
I just compared him to Peyton Manning. You compared him to Peyton Manning. <laughs> Peyton to Peyton. What's wrong with you? You compared the Damn, mole, man. the mole to Peyton Manning. Man, I'm a Broncos skeptic. I guess I love. Well, I love the Broncos game. Skeptic, I had a great time with it. But you can't be so freaking blind to think Peyton Manning, Iguodala, <laughs> somehow in the same universe. But they're both not comfortable with the offenses that they were asked okay, to right. uh, try to run. All right, yeah. You know, Peyton but, Manning's not. Which really, is weird because Peyton the, Manning looks pretty dang comfortable Sunday night, and. He didn't say as much after the game. Well, he always says the same thing. It's a work in progress. Uh, you know, trying to find some compromises. I don't listen to you you people, and you don't even know what what he means by compromises. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Maybe he was found in a compromising position. I think that that and there's photographs of him, (laughs) and that's what he means. You'll come out of the pistol, or these will find their way to Twitter. Well, I think largely the, I hate this, the pistol, by the this way. dispute between Kubiak's system and Peyton's system has been largely fabricated by the media. I mean, there's definitely a noted change in the game plan, but I also think it was overstated Peyton's influence on the offense in the past. I think I like the bootleg he ran. That was amazing. that was pretty. That was the best bootleg he's ever run. Was it to the nah, left? I don't know. It was that to the right. Scored a touchdown. <laughs> oh, they were the, the right? ones. They were the ones they were running earlier in the season were to the left, and he was throwing against his body. They said, "Okay, well, maybe Peyton, you should go to your strong hand." So they've been Duh. running it to the right. How about the bootleg he ran for a touchdown a couple years ago? That was pretty sweet. Oh, against Dallas. Yeah, that there was, was nobody within twenty yards of him. That was like. <laughs> That that must be the most embarrassing thing on the planet if you're on the defense. <laughs> Peyton Manning bootleg quarterback. <laughs> that was right up there with keeper. that was right up there with Bubby Brister's 50 yard <laughs> touchdown scamper. That was awesome. <laughs> Bubby was that against Brister. the Chiefs, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Bubby Brister, underrated, underrated. How about uh, he should have been the next quarterback after Elway left? Yeah. yeah how about Shanahan have. saying basically that Brister is too stupid to understand the offense? <laughs> I think he was not. And they smart. had to play Brian Greasy. <laughs> I mean, I do. I do if, think Bubby Brister was not a smart if you, man. If you watch what the, is Bubby Brister up to nowadays? Oh, he's got like football camps, I think. Yeah, he does. Louisiana. And then he calls into D, a Big Island D-Max program and you does know, he talks really? with his really hick accent. What that he's yeah, got yeah, out there. We yeah. got a touchdown and a touchdown. His name is Bubby. Bubby. And he, uh, if you watch the America's Game uh, things about the Super Bowls, they're talking about the the '98 team where they, you know they went 13 and 0 and stuff like that. And Bubby Brister won what four games that four year? Four games. And they're talking. And Mark Schilleris oh, said that uh, we need to get on. Uh, apparently, Bubby Brister said we need to get on the camaraderie ship. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. Though after that game, they had Shannon Sharp in the locker room in front of Demarius Thomas's locker. Demarius was back there making faces and stuff. Priceless. But Shannon was talking for a solid five minutes. I couldn't help but laugh just thinking of Ross. <laughs> couldn't Demarius get in the end zone one goddamn time? One. Please don't say that he's on your fantasy team. Once. Just <laughs> once. That's what this is the all defense, about. The Denver's defense didn't even score one touchdown. What the hell is that about? Is this the first week they haven't scored? They scored the two points. Oh, uh, yeah, they got the safety. Do Broncos got a safety? Yeah, I, yeah. See the problem with this game. What happened game, to you? <laughs> here's what happened. It was awesome, dude. I'm, I'm house sitting Rogers for my. Rogers looked like uh, an idiot. I'm, I'm, he looked like Andrew Luck out there. Yeah, God. I'm house sitting oh, for my sister up in Thornton. Oh, it's okay, all. So Sunday night, I go to my sister's in Thornton to uh, check on her cats and whatnot, and she has the old Comcast box that only records two things at once. So I was recording Nuggets, and then The Walking Dead was about to start playing. So I was trying to figure out how to stop the Nuggets game, and then the confusion I missed, the long pass to Demarius Thomas, the Ronnie Hillman touchdown run, and 
I missed a safety. Man, you're I bad guess, with too. electronics. Well, that's aren't right you? because you. No, we, I was just like we I can't stop the Nuggets game yet because the damn fourth quarter's about. We were to texting end. and you said you missed it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was whenever I'm watching these these Bronco games. So Sunday night, you know, there's Game Five of the World Series, yeah. a huge NFL matchup, and there's just constant basketball tweeters. Just tweeting away. <laughs> tweet, tweet, tweet. Just insignificant, unimportant things. Just tweet, tweet, tweet. Hey, tweet, by the tweet. way, uh, let's oh, get into... Oh, Paul Gasol. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Oh. Paul Gasol. Tweet, tweet. <laughs> what are you Paul Gasol. Who cares about this stuff? On the, one of the biggest sports nights of the year. And this is what, like the third game of the season in the NBA? Hell yeah. I mean, we don't even talk about the World Series. Yeah, that's what I was going to get into. Let's get into some baseball talk. Kansas City Royals, congrats. That ends baseball talk. I, don't, I disagree. I think we should spend a little time on this because it, it, it is re- relative to Colorado sports fans. If no, the Kansas City Royals can put together a World Series, and not just World Series championship, a dominating team. I mean, they dominated. Yeah, but they're close the to St. Louis, right? Thing. In St. Louis, of course. Proximity. Best basketball means- fans. <laughs> best baseball fans in the in the world. I mean, <laughs> proximity means greatness, <laughs> right? I mean, come on, we're not gonna. If the Kansas City Royals don't ever can try do to it. say the Rockies are gonna do anything, if the they Kansas suck. City Royals can do it, the Rockies can do it. No, um, but what we need to do is we need to get John Elway to be the GM of the Rockies, and we need Mark Cuban to buy the Rockies. Oh my God! Oh, could you imagine? Is that a possibility? There was that talk, what, three years ago or something? People were like, because like, Cuban oh, was talking talk. about wanting to buy a baseball team. Oh, yeah, because he wanted the Cubs. He wanted the right? Cubs. Yeah. yeah. He He's didn't never want the, Rock. the Cubs. He Man. did buy the freaking Mavericks, though. The Mavericks were dog shit before he Man, showed he up. Would well, be, yeah, but they would, probably also had zero ticket sales, zero Yeah, interest. he would be printing. He gave, he gave his theory in Dallas, or not theory, but what he did was gave free tickets to attractive women and put them where they would be on TV during the game. Like, put them where the cameras would show them all the time to try to attract people to come to games. Well, that's what did it. He's a freaking genius. Yeah. Well, he's, so you know, Dirk Nowitzki had nothing And he had a bunch of firemen uh, sitting courtside with just their suspenders But there's the already, like, thousands of super hot chicks at Rockies games now when they suck. So that strategy isn't really going to work. No. I, every time I go to the Rockies game, I watch maybe two or three pitches. I feel like I don't watch walk any around. of the games. It's just yeah. a good place to be. It's walk around. That's why the, the Mon- That's why the Monfort's print money. That because is. the people go <laughs> no to watches. the to the field and not the, watch the game. The Monforts get a bad, bad. They they don't deserve the reputation they have, except for the drunk one. That reputation that's deserved. Charlie, but he's probably awesome. Let's just let's just call a spade a spade. <laughs> but you were talking earlier about it's po- impossible to mortgage your future in certain sports. Baseball, the Rockies mortgaged their future years ago. And you know, what did Hampton and Nagel? Uh, that was a bad one. Was, those were two of the bad even here. Which, which one? Which was the one that got uh, was had the prostitute issue? Was that Nagel? Nagel. Yeah. <laughs> but Jeff, who was the uh, who's the pitcher this year that the Rockies had signed and he was like awful, like Clayton Kershaw or something Kyle like that? Kendrick. Kyle Kershaw? Kendrick. Yeah, not Kyle, not <laughs> not <laughs> Clayton Kershaw, who is the basically the best pitcher. Is in he baseball. good? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this guy, this Kyle Kendrick, he'd come out after the season and basically said he wished he'd ever signed here because he got rocked all year. He's like, he can't pitch there. And it's like, great. So that, but it's because 90% of the game is half mental. And we talk about that right. a lot with the Nuggets about, you know, guys not wanting to play in Denver, this and that. Guys don't want to pitch in Colorado. They just don't want to do it. Well, that's why you need some guys with balls to come in here. My uncle had a theory uh, 
that you, they should have nine pitchers that pitch one inning per game. Why not? That'd be awesome. That's interesting. Why doesn't anybody ever do that? I don't know. Why does everybody just have one guy and he gets tired and rocked? It's like if you brought in a different guy every inning, wouldn't that That's be awesome? That's the kind of innovative thinking we need down there in the front office. Yeah. Vin, does your, does your, uncle, does your you uncle, uncle happen to be a billionaire? You, you know why it would never happen? He's in heaven now. Did he, you, guys, you guys know why? <laughs> Did he leave behind a notebook <laughs> full of thoughts and a billion dollars? Yes. You know why? You know why it would never happen? We're going to get Vivek Ranadive to buy the yes, we, that's what we need. It would never happen because yeah. pitchers get paid on wins, and it would there would be a lot of very unhappy people. Do they get paid on wins anymore? Moneyball, man. Come no, on. they still get paid on wins. They do. Who cares? We'll I don't pay them. That means Rockies will pay the guys twenty million a year each guy. <laughs> Who cares? I don't think they raise will. The, raise the price of Coors at the stadium. <laughs> They can't go any higher. <laughs> you can't even fi- hardly find Coors in Coors Field. It's insane. There's well, like it's one kiosk. Anyway. I know, but what do you want to drink? Budweiser? I'd rather sneak in a baggie full of Tito's. <laughs> a baggie? A baggie? <laughs> Zip What's this baggie. guy? What's Sir, this guy's, you have this guy's, your pants. This, this no, guy. actually, my Tito's just Look at this guy over here with the glasses. He's sucking something through a bag. <laughs> <laughs> And he reeks of boots. <laughs> he smells like my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you guys want to take a short little break, come back, and uh, get into a little bit of something Ross likes to call the quiz oh, show? yeah. When we come back, we got a, we got a little game to play. It's called Everywhere Man. Oh, Everywhere, Everywhere Man. Man. Everywhere Man? Everywhere Man. Everywhere Man. I've been everywhere. Well, I was humping my bluey on the dusty Udna Data Road when along came a semi with a high and canvas covered load. Uh, if you're going to Udna Data, mate, um, with me you can ride. So I climbed in the cabin and I settled down inside. He asked me if I'd seen a road with so much dust and sand. I said, Listen, mate. I've traveled every road in this hill land Cause I've been everywhere, man I've been everywhere, man Across the deserts, bare man I've breathed the mountain air, man I've traveled, I've had my chair, man I've been everywhere Been to Talamore, Seymour, Lismore, Malunaban, Nambo, Mruchito, Kilmore That's a lot of Australian towns Whataburger, Whataburger, I'm a killer Across the deserts, bare man I've breathed the mountain air, man I've traveled, I've had my you know, I can't believe they ever made a, an American version of that song because, frankly, we don't have a wallabing. There's not a wallabing in the American. We do not. In the American colonies. That's some speed rap. (laughs) That is some uh, bone thugs before bone thugs. (laughs) (laughs) You guys ready to play a little game, guys? This is Everywhere Man. Everywhere Man. This is the name of the game. There's a lot of players that have spent a lot of time being everywhere, man. We call them Everywhere Men. And uh, we're going to play a little game here, guys. You are each going to get the opportunity to bid how many teams you can guess this player where they played, okay? Do you guys understand it? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we'll start with Nate. Nate, go ahead and bid. This this first player is a point guard from Cleveland, Ohio. He played What do you mean for, from Cleveland? He was born he in was Cleveland. Born in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. He has uh, played for, let's count this up here. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve teams. Wow. Twelve teams. This is an this is a point guard. I will say this. This is not just NBA teams. So keep that in mind. Twelve, Son of a bitch. twelve teams. He is a point guard from Cleveland, Ohio. Twelve teams. Nate Timmons. How many teams? How many teams can you guess this player? Eight. Eight teams. Now Jeff's going to have the opportunity to underbid that. I'll go for seven. You seven, Nate. Hey, back to you. When it, when when uh, one of you guys decides that uh, this other person cannot name this everywhere man, then uh, go ahead and say name him. Four. <laughs> Did I just say four? <laughs> he said four. I'm not going there. We have three rounds. I'm giving that to Nate. So, uh, <laughs> Nate, you'll get a chance in the next round to get a point. But uh, good luck. <laughs> All right. This was in uh, 1999. The team was uh, the Rockford Lightning. God. The CBA. Good. I mean, where is Rockford? I don't know. Uh, isn't that the James Garner? By the way, uh. did you guys know that the CBA does not stand for uh, Canadian Basketball Association? It's continental. Yeah. Yeah. That is, wow. His first team wasn't even an NBA team. What kind of game is that? All right. Well, all right. All right, next team, the, the Nets, same year, 1999. Okay. Third team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. And the last team, by the way, that was also in 1999. All right. This guy apparently was uh, not that liked early on. So he went from the Nets (laughs) to the Cavaliers. Okay. I I will give, there's one more hint I'll give you. There is a, uh, a, no, I'm not going to give you the hint. We'll keep going here. Uh, the, The fourth team is the Orlando Magic. 1999. Oh, Name this everywhere, man. Four was a bold, bold. I don't even get to know where he went to, like, college? Oh, are you kidding? No. Damn. That is a dead giveaway. Maybe not in this case, but. 99. Shit. I was only a freaking junior in high school. By the way, I did have, well, you think about that, Nate. Uh, I did have a, uh, uh, over the break, I had a declaration brewing hardtack copper ale. What do you think? What did you think of that? And uh, it was good. Yeah. It was very coppery. Yes. Tasted tastes you know, like blood. Like I don't know the difference between. <laughs> That's a, one of my favorite beers. I don't know really. the difference between a copper ale and an amber ale. Very similar. Probably just a different way of calling it that. But uh, as far as the can goes, I dig it. It's much better. I do than like the, this uh, one. Yeah. I kind of think it was it kind of Newcastle-y, but like a better tasting Newcastle. I don't know. No, to no? me it no, was no. very like very fat tireish. Oh, yeah, like ambery. That, that's yeah. that. Well, I had that a couple weeks ago. Very malty. Yeah, maybe even a little Fat tire. biscuity. Yeah. A little sweet for my taste, but uh, good beer. Now I'm going on to uh, this godforsaken brewery, Windsor Brewing Company again. <laughs> Get the, is that the pale? This is the power of Zeus. Yep, pale ale. There's a horned frog on it. I think maybe that's a horned frog. So I got to guess this player, right? So you got to guess this player. Um, Orlando, Cleveland. And then where? No, he started out with the Rockford Lightning. Yeah. Well, then the I'm Nets. Give a shit about that. Okay, then Nets. the Nets, then Cleveland Cavaliers, then the Orlando Magic. 
This was all in 1999. And I'll give you another hint. In 2000, he went back to the Cavaliers. Now, that's not another team, because I already mentioned the Cavaliers, but he did go back. And he's from Cleveland. Yep, he is. God. There's one guy I want to name, but that's definitely not him. It's not LeBron James. Who was like nine years old. Did this guy turn out to be a good player? Am I going to be pissed when I so guess? So the, the whole definition kind of of an everywhere man is that uh, they're not usually the best players. <laughs> so they're journeymen, right? God. I mean, these guys. Do you have any idea how many players I've had to remember over the past three years? This guy played for freaking ten different teams. That's not that common. It's common to play for multiple. This is ten. Yeah, this is hard. I, I've screwed myself royally on this. Year. Why did you do that? All right. So, I, I, Timmons, I'm... Give me I'm, one guess. I'm going to go with uh, Cleveland. God. No. What did you do to yourself? Golly. Duh. Get, you got cocky is what happened. I can't even remember, like, Cleveland. Ba- I don't even know who played for Cleveland. I'm going, like, Brad Darty. <laughs> Man, that's his past. This, Andy this Feinstein would have got this on the a- first. Yes, one. he would have on the first one. Next time uh, we do the Andy Feinstein basketball hour, we will uh, play this game and Throw this watch him too. kick your guys. This would be a ass. perfect game for that. Actually. Jeff, just you don't say what it is. Do you have a guess at all? No. Okay. Not at this point. No. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way to know who this guy is. I don't think. Why did you say? All right, it's official. Uh, I'll say Mateen Windsor. Cleaves. God, Windsor. Mateen Windsor. Cleaves was not a point guard. I know. <laughs> yes, he, Mateen Cleaves was a point guard. Was Windsor yes. uh, Brewing Company, real quick. Uh, horrible cans, but pretty, pretty gosh dang good beer, I got to say. So, well done. You're going to make me. All right, so, uh, Jeff, you already get the point. Hmm. So now here, uh, Jeff, I'll give you. Wait a minute. You're not going to tell us who the player is? Well, I will, but we're okay. just going to. I said seven. So he's got to. You already got the point. We're just going to see if one of you guys can get it. As soon as you guys got it, just shout it out, okay? No, yeah. no points will be awarded. Uh, the next team was uh, the Cavaliers, as I mentioned, then the Clippers. He played there for, from 2000 to 2002. Is this Keon Dooling? Nope. Damn. No, that, that was before uh, Dooling. Then in 2002, he went to the Golden State Warriors, was there from 2002 to 2003. God dang. Not God dang. <laughs> Wait. I mean, this guy sucks, whoever he is. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Interesting you should say that. The next team he went to was the Denver Nuggets. You sick son he of a bitch. There from 2003 to 2007. That's Andre Earl Miller. Earl, what did you Earl say? Boykins. Earl Boykins. Yeah, it's Earl Boykins. Earl Boykins. So it's like 2003, 2007. So he just was, think of this. Jeff did. said seven. That was the seventh team. Earl Boykins. And I said Andre Miller, so I would have been laughed out of town. <laughs> yeah, Andre Miller's from uh, freaking the, L.A., man. And he went to Utah. Yeah. And then he went to uh, the Cavs. Yeah, not the Nets. So uh, just for <laughs> shits and giggles, he went on to play for the Bucks in 2007 to 2008. Yeah, Earl Boykins. Then sucked. the Bobcats in 2008. Then went back to the Bucks for 2010, 2011. Then played for Virtus Bologna, Italy. Then the Wizards, 2009, 2010. Then, I don't know what happened between then and 2007, 2012. I'll tell you where he was. He He's at the a, Highlands Ranch Rec Center. He, yeah, uh, yeah. Does, uh, he him played and, for the Rockets for 10 games in 2012. Marlo. Do you guys know what 
Earl Boykin's profession is now. Not circus performer. Annoying radio guy on 104.3. <laughs> is he on 104.3 a lot? They have him on once a week. Well, do you guys know what his uh, profession is? Local jerk. No. Boykins? No, he Makes is, beef jerky. He is the head basketball <laughs> coach for Douglas County High School. Really? Yes, he is. Oh, jeez. Down well, the there. You know what? I, I, can, I can guarantee <laughs> yeah. you that he's teaching them to, to dribble, 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 and then shoot a 50 point, 50 foot uh, three point shot. I'll tell you this. Uh, he played for the Golden State Warriors and kicked the Nuggets' ass, uh, I think, a couple of times. One, one, at least won one game for him. And then after the season, Doug Moe, who was on the Nuggets' bench, said, if you guys don't sign Earl Boinkins, I'm leaving the team. And they signed Earl Boinkins. Ah. Tells you about uh, Moe's judgment by that point. <laughs> <laughs> and he killed Denver. There was that game where it was Gilbert Arenas and Earl Boinkins just slaughtered the Nuggets. And it was just pitiful. And then both guys left the next year. Boinkins went to Denver. Arenas was thought to have been going to Denver, but they he signed on to Miller, and he went to Washington. Yep. He wanted to play with Mello. So, anyway... All right, Earl Boykins. So you can tell why I, I did not include his height and weight in that uh, at the beginning. That might have given yeah, five, it away. Yeah, 5'2", 133. I forgot that Boykins went to the Nuggets in 2003. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Good uh, one, Ross. That was a good one. Our, I liked next, it. our next everywhere man, Jeff, you'll get the opportunity to bid first here. Jeff, don't go lower than 12. He is a 6'7", 214-pound forward from North Carolina. North Carolina, come on and raise up. Take your shirt off, spin Twist it around your head, head like a helicopter. helicopter. He played for 15 teams. Holy 15 cow. teams. Nine times. And he played for a uh, long time. Okay. So, uh, Jeff, 15 teams. How many How many can, can you name this everywhere, man? Oh, uh, 15. 10. 10. 10. Bold. Oh, Lord. Nate Timmons. Go nine. <laughs> no, this game works. Yeah, you're smart. <laughs> You've got to figure it out. I'm going to uh, let Timmons fail. Son of a this. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me the particulars again. Six, seven, Six, seven 214 He's a forward. Pounds. He's forward a small from, forward. He's from North Carolina, he was, as in he was born in North Carolina. Do I get to know when his career spans from? Yeah, sure. Well, I'll tell you the year it started, and you can figure it out from there. It was 1989 with mm. the Good Cleveland God. Cavaliers. Boy, this is before your you. time there, Nate. Yeah, this is going to be tough. 1989, Tim is walking around at seven years old. All right. So uh, we're in a Broncos. Then he went AFC to championship the shirt. L.A. Lakers. Cleveland Lakers got it. All right, next team was Paula Canestro Ferenzi. Must be Italian. I mean, at this point in time, they were probably playing on dirt courts overseas. <laughs> That's right, with peach baskets. <laughs> and no idea what was going Actually, on. Actually, it was probably grape baskets in, in Italy. I don't think they have peaches there. Uh, you shoot the ball into the grape basket. <laughs> I think they call it a baloncesto. Shout out Gallo. Hashtag Gallo. <laughs> yeah, this was probably Gallo's hero growing up. Uh, then New Jersey Nets. What was with the Cleveland and the Nets taking everybody? Um, then he went to the Dallas Mavericks. That was the Jets in 92, the Mavericks in 93. Then uh, Grand Rapids Hoops, <laughs> CBA, 93. Okay. And then the Yakima Sun Kings. Whew. Here's the powerhouse of the CBA in 94. Ah, here we go. Back. How many, how many did you bid? Nine. Nine. Okay, you get two more. 
One, two, two more. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Next one, Houston Rockets in 1995. You guys should have started with 15. Ooh, I think I know. Then, uh, ooh, Jeff thinks he knows. Then the Phoenix Suns, uh, 1996. That's not where his career ended, but that's where your clues will stop. Nate Timmons, a 6'7", 214-pound forward from North Carolina. Cleveland, Lakers, Paula Canestro, Firenze. Paula Canestro, Firenze. New Jersey Nets, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, Grand Rapids Hoops, Yakima Sun Kings, Houston Rockets, and the Phoenix Suns. Ninety-six. Ninety-six. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want a hint? Yeah, I'll take a hint. All right, this guy. Of this is going to be a big hint. One, two, three, four. Of all of the 15 teams that this gentleman has played for, 12 of them were in the NBA. And 12 is the most number of teams any player has ever played for. There's more than one, but uh, this guy, he is famous for nothing more than how many teams he's actually played for. I'll just, I'll just guess George McLeod. I have no idea. That is incorrect. <laughs> that is exactly who I was going to talk because he was in Phoenix. And Dallas. <laughs> and Dallas. <laughs> I'm saying exactly the same thing. Oh, my God. Damn it. By the way, he's from New York, not from North Carolina. What? That changes everything. <laughs> what are you doing? Right? He went to high school in North Carolina. God. Um, he went to high school in North Carolina? Drafted by the Cavaliers. Uh, second round. The 16th pick in the 1989 draft. He uh, debuted on November 3rd, 1989. He has a nickname. Would you guys like to know the nickname? Yes. Yeah, is it or would you Old rather... Shoe? Is that his nickname? His, his nickname was... The Iron Sheik? His nickname was... <laughs> His nickname was Wild Thing. Wild yeah, that Thing. Doesn't help at all. He went on to play for the Milwaukee Bucks in 1996. So Hot Rod Williams? The Atlanta. F- His Not nickname is Wild Rod Thing. <laughs> Good point. He played for the Atlanta Hawks in 1997, who the now are the Falcons, I believe. It's not Kevin Willis, is it? Oh, God, no, Kevin no. Willis plays like for like feet. Charlotte Kevin Hornets. Kevin Willis played for the Hawks I for like twenty years. Charlotte Hornets, ninety nine and two thousand. Um, that's a, probably the longest stay he's ever had at a team. Uh, then he went back to Cleveland in two thousand and one, and then the Golden State Warriors in two thousand one. He finished his career in two thousand two for the Sacramento Kings. His uh, he has uh, a nickname, Wild Thing, but he's commonly known by his nickname, his other nickname which is some sort of derivation of his real name, which is Clarence. Clarence Weatherspoon? Clarence, Clarence Weatherspoon? Is that Clarence who it is? Chucky Brown. Chucky, Chucky Brown. Brown. Chucky Brown. Chucky Brown? Yeah, he was on that 2002 uh, Kings team. Chucky Brown? Chucky Brown. That guy probably averaged 1.2 points for his entire freaking career. Wow. Which was a long and distinguished career. This is wow. garbage. Yeah. So how many rounds of this do we have? Where do you think Andy Feinstein would have got that one? Oh, he probably would have taken as long as us on that oh, one. Oh, no, no, no. He would have got that one. So you I, said, I'm going to guess. As soon as you said guess. he played for Atlanta, Andy would have been like, oh, yeah, I went to lunch with him. Chucky Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Back when I was interning for Turner Sports. <laughs> Turner Sports, I had lunch with Chucky Brown. <laughs> All right. if, if I'm not mistaken, he ordered the uh, surf and turf. So, yeah. 
So I'll be honest uh, with you. I thought you guys would get the first one. I did not think you guys would get the second one. But so far, you have not failed to disappoint. This one, you better get. Well, God, I'm going to give you a quiz of scrubs. All right. So this guy. <laughs> quiz uh, of scrubs. Six foot be three guard. So this one's mine, right? Six foot three. Yeah, you get to pick, okay? Okay. Um, he was born in the Bronx, New York. Six foot three, 175 pounds. Born in the Bronx, him he, and 900,000 uh, other guys. He was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but not all of them played. Let's see here. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, for ten NBA teams. Jeez. Okay, it's gonna, it'll take me ten to figure out who it is. And uh, just so you know, they were there. This is a hint. They're all NBA National Basketball Association teams. Oh God! All right, none of them overseas or in the Canadian Basketball uh, Association. Okay. Let's Canadian see if there's another another uh, another hint real quick before I can. I think that's. I think you guys have heard enough. Okay. So, uh, what do you think? Ten, Nate. Ten. We'll minutes? go with ten. Yeah. All right, Jeff Morton. Nine. Let Jeff play. Ooh. <laughs> Nate, Turning the Nate, tables. You are, you are bad at this. If Nate, you don't, if you don't get this one, Jeff. All right. I've become bitter at this game. <laughs> All right. Give me his particulars again. All right. Six three guard from the Bronx, okay. New York. Played for ten NBA teams. You have to guess this everywhere, man. Okay. And nine of them. All right. Nine. Got it. And here's the thing. You'll never guess who it is. You could have gone you could have gone lower, I think. We'll see. First team. Liar. Uh, this is the first team. Um he was, let's see here, drafted in the first round. Pick number nineteen mm-hmm. in nineteen eighty eight. Ooh, eighty eight. Good year. Was, the team was uh the New York Knickerbuckers. Juicy details. I shouldn't have given you the year. That kind of gives it away. All right, next uh, next team. The he played this for this team. Let's see who drafted him. Knicks. Knicks. Okay. Yeah. Got it. They used to be called the Knickerbockers. <laughs> yes, it used to be correct. They are now called the Knicks. <laughs> San Antonio Spurs is the second team. Okay. Third team was the Portland Trailblazers. Wait, when did he play for the Spurs? I'm trying to decide if I should reveal this information. I'm not going to. Third team was Haven't the Trailblazers. Have you given us that information on every other one? Yeah. Well, you are the quiz master. We'll question your Man. tactics. Hey, I didn't <laughs> I didn't give you the height and weight of the first guy. No, nah, that's true. Hey, he does know? like to withhold information. The that's... only the only thing I'm required to tell you is the team that he played for. Okay. So Knicks, Spurs, Trailblazers. Then he went to the Washington Bullets. Ooh. Bullets. Bullets. Then he went back to the Trailblazers. Jeff, nothing. Nothing yet. You don't have to say anything. I'll just keep going. Then uh, the Miami Heat. Good God. The Heat. Then the Minnesota Timberwolves. Nothing. (laughs) Orlando Magic. 
and his second to last team that he played for in his long and distinguished NBA career is the Toronto Raptors. Raptors. What position was this guy? Point guard? He is a point guard. Forward. Yeah. No, he's forward. not a point guard. A 6'3 point guard. What's that? <laughs> what position did he play? Hold on. 6'3. He no, he's a guard. Play. Yeah, he's a guard. He wasn't a point guard, but he's a guard. Yeah. Sorry. Shooting guard. 88 drafted. God, I don't even know who was drafted in like 90s. Late 90s. Is that all Jeff gets? That's he's, he's done? That was a lot of information. I, I guarantee you Andy Feinstein would have gotten this. <laughs> Damn you, on the On stop, number, stop on number four, if not three. Looks like old Timmons is getting right back into this game. <laughs> There's only three rounds. You already lost. You already lost. What the hell? <laughs> Bullshit. All right. You would, uh, I need your Wi-Fi password. Then we can play more. Okay. I only prepared. Three rounds. Oh, man. Maybe, maybe we'll, after you guys, I mean, what, what I'm trying to point out here is, I mean, I guess you guys. Portland I'm twice. Portland twice. Yeah, in like the mid freaking early 90s. In 88. All right, you want the years? Yeah. All right, I'll give you the years. Knicks, 90, or 88. Spurs, 90 to 92. Blazers, 92 to 96. Mm. Bullets, 96 to 2001. And the Blazers again in 2001. Miami Heat, 01 to 02. Timberwolves, 02 to 03. Magic, 03 to 04. And then his second to last team he played for was the Raptors, 2004. My God. That's a long career, guys. That's 17 years. 17 years as a point guard. Holy crap. It's on the tip of my tongue. He played for the uh, Knicks for a while, right? No. Two years. Two years? It sounds like I you mean, played for the uh, Timberwolves about the time they played the Nuggets in the playoffs. Maybe just after. Yeah, but Sam Cassell was their point guard. Yeah. And I mean, Cassell this guy's was obviously a Houston. backup. Yeah. <laughs> He's an everywhere man. Shaggy oh. Gustafson. I don't know. Sedale 3. I don't know. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this last one. If those other ones didn't help you. This one won't. He, his last team was for the Houston Rockets in 2005. He has had four DUIs. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Good God. Is it Mario Ellie? Nope. I guess no, Mario Ellie would have played for the, the, the 90s. <laughs> Who is this guy? No one he has He is idea. the, do you guys know of a gentleman named Kyrie Irving? Correct. This is uh, this man, this everywhere man, is Kyrie Irving's godfather. Sleepy Floyd? I mean, no idea. <laughs> nothing. No, nothing. No clue. Let's see if we You've managed them. to pick three scrubs who no one has ever heard it's, of. They're not scrubs, Nate, when you play for 17 years. Chucky Brown was a, was a scrub. He played for 12 NBA teams. Chucky Atkins. Uh, let's see. He went, to, he went to DePaul. I don't know if that helps you guys. No. All right. Like it. your boy, uh, Wilson Chandler. This is, this is, uh, he is currently the coach of the, let's see, he's, uh, the South Florida Bulls. 
This is Rod Strickland. Rod Strickland? Oh, the Blazers. I was going to guess Rod Strickland. You were not going to guess. I was, but I I thought 1988 was far too early for Rod Strickland to be drafted. Rod Strickland was drafted in 88? By the New York Knickerbockers. I thought thought Rod Strickland was drafted in like 95. That's how bad my perception was. I thought he was a midnight. Wow. Yeah, I thought he was mid-90s for sure. But that was was one guy I was thinking of was Rod Strickland because he said bullets. And the, Blazers. The Blazers. Blazers to the Bullets is the giveaway. The Blazers from 96 to 01, to me, that's when Andy would have gotten it. But if he hadn't got it, then he would have gotten it to the Bullets. Make him jump like Rod Strickland. He was in rap songs. He was in rap songs. Man, that was embarrassing. I should have gotten Rod music. That was everywhere, man. <laughs> that was a good one. Everywhere, man. What the? Which we have an Amber Alert? A man of trouble, I've had my chairman, I've been everywhere. Yeah, I know that, but if you've been to... Wollongong, Geelong, Karajong, Malambin, Mittagong, Molong, Drongong, Gundawindi, Yarra, Yarra, Boondah, Wollong, Yarra, Tara, Marabu, Gary, Gundagai, Nara, Bright, Tuubara, Golgong, Adalong, Billabong, Kepamata, Paramata, Wongarata, Kulongata, what's the matter? I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I've breathed the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my chair, man. I've been everywhere. Yeah, look, that's fine, but how about... Big Wedlong, Dan, Long, Woodenbong, Ballarat, Canberra, Mulpair, Yundam, Skunkflat, Kwonkai, River, Murray, Curry, Curry, Guru, Wing, Terry, Gold, Stock, Mubal, Colorado, and Narrabeen, Bendigo, Darago, Bangalore, Windapuri, Kirribilli, Yerrimpilli, Wallangilli, Don't be silly, I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I've breathed the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my chair, man. I've been everywhere. I've been here, there, everywhere. I've been everywhere. He was an All-American at DePaul. God, I can't believe I didn't get Rod Strickland. I've embarrassed me and everyone who comes after me. Does Godfather of Kyrie Irving mean actually mean father? I'm just curious. What is Godfather? <laughs> Not sure that. That's Does it mean grandfather? What is Godfather? I'm sure you have a Godfather for it, your daughter, grand- right? I think, well, actually, have you named one? No, actually, I think I might be the Godfather of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, Godfather, if something <laughs> ever happens to me, you got to raise my son, raise him right. Well, Man. anyway, guys, next week. That was uh, a good quiz because you stumped us. Well, you know, I guess I just assumed you guys were, like, knowledgeable in basketball. Well, apparently. Uh, you got to remember, Ross, I'm only 33. <laughs> Oh, wow. In 1988, I'm six years old. <laughs> so Nate is too young and Jeff is too old. He's lost his memory. <laughs> my God, this is what's happening. What's happened to us? Oh, oh my God. All right. So yeah, anyway, good. that was supposed to kick off our basketball talk. So uh, I'll be quiet. Let's drag the podcast to a halt. <laughs> to a halt. The Nuggets are actually tipping off. Uh, they tipped off. Uh, they tipped off a little bit ago. Well, they're in well. Los Angeles playing the Lakers tonight. How, how many games in? Where Three games. Now? Nuggets have a record of one and two. Looked That's pretty good. Fabulous in their That's first pretty game. Pretty good. And looked like total garbage. First game they the beat last somebody. Two. Well, they did. They look. They look like garbage in the in the against the Timberwolves and then half of the Oklahoma City game. Yeah, it was, they were both bad. They looked good against Houston. They won 105-85. Houston, however, went on to crap to bed in the next two games, so they're still trying to figure things out. Uh, and as Jeff alluded to, they, they played the Timberwolves at home for the home opener. And really, if we talk about that, that was that was such a disappointing game from my perspective because I thought it was – they had a decent crowd. It was probably – I thought it was fuller than – 
there was more people there than I expected. Yeah, there was probably about 15,000 people. And the people yeah. were into it, you yeah. know? Like, it was kind of a... It wasn't a really loud crowd, but people were getting into the game. And literally by the third quarter, there were people leaving. You could see people leaving. Friday night, Nuggets getting their butts kicked at home. People were leaving. And the Nuggets really, I, I thought, lost a tremendous opportunity to create a little bit of buzz around the team yeah. by starting out 2-0, and winning the home opener, looking good at home. And I don't know if I put too much stock into that. Like, if they're going to be good, eventually they'll be good. But I, I, I felt like there was a huge missed opportunity with the home opener, and it was a pretty pathetic performance all around. Malone didn't coach a very good game. Nobody played well, and they got crushed. I mean, it was depressing. And then they go to Oklahoma City and, and they have lost. overestimated the impact of a win in that scenario, by the way. Yeah, I but, may have. But, uh, yeah, too bad. thought I was expecting more, you know. I was expecting well, what I'm saying more. is if they had won, you know, they, it might not have created as much buzz as, as you would think. True. That's all. Yeah. Well, it's, you know. It's but still early in the season. I but. felt like they needed to get back on the right if, foot of, of sending this, you know, new day. It's a new day. They've that commercial's been on all over the place. You know, they have Moutier, they have Malone, they have this whole they're they're pitching that it's a whole new thing, and then you go to the game, they get waxed. By it who basically again? looks like they quit during the game. Malone talks after the game by the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are predicted by everybody to finish last in the Western Conference. Uh, and, and, you know, after the game alone, it was the first time we heard him say, you know, he's questioning the effort of the team. Already? Something that we heard Brian oh Shaw say. Oh, my God. And it was, you know, maybe it was a minor thing, but he did say anytime you have to try to coach effort, you're in trouble. And he felt like that's what he had to do that night. And it's like for the home opener that you guys <laughs> is, really is there is, is there a bigger cop out than the coach talking about effort? Because. If if that's all a coach ever has to say when a team loses, then that's all he ever has to say, right? I mean, yes, it's true. You don't see a lot of lazy teams win basketball games, but is it really constructive to say, I, I don't want to coach effort or I need effort? Like saying uh, that that's just kind saying of people didn't give you effort is the is the def- ultimate deflecting for a coach yeah because it, isn't it yeah. in, isn't it the <laughs> job of the coach to prepare and and motivate the players and I to mean, me i mean we hadn't seen this was exactly what i wanted to see from denver though i wanted to see with all the goodwill they built up in the off season of we signed these guys that want to be here we're all in this together. We got the right coach. We got everything. And even I have, you know, I've been pretty impressed with Malone throughout the preseason, throughout training camp. Really liked what he was saying. I fell for the same tricks with Brian Shaw. Uh, but I felt like I wanted to see what this team would do when they're faced with adversity. And against the Timberwolves, they were faced with adversity and they folded. And, and honestly, after the game, seeing, seeing Malone, some of the antics he displayed on the sideline were, were kind of funny. Freed threw a pass out of bounds. Uh, Malone caught the ball, slammed it to the ground about as hard as he could, caught it, and then winged it with one hand to the ref as hard as he could. It kind of looked like a kid that was having a temper tantrum on the uh-huh. sidelines. And to me, it showed a little bit of the ugly side of Malone, that he does have you know, a bit of, I think he has some anger issues. That's, I really do. I think that's not good. I, that I noticed, and he has. 
I saw him getting into it with uh, Gallinari on the sideline. I thought saw him get, getting into it with a couple other players on the sideline. He is uh, – I can't call him a hothead because, you know, who we don't know him that well enough to say that. But the fact you know that I did – anybody else in the sound. I, I did see what you were talking about, Nate, and that was a very, very big warning sign to me. It's like you don't – especially with a young team, and this is, really is a young team, you need someone – who is not going to be temperamental? Yeah, like that's I mean, he what lost you want, his right? shit a little bit. He that's did. what you want. Like you expect that from immature children. The, the, he's supposed to be the old man. Well, I watched I was watching the Timberwolves game last night. Carl Anthony Towns, the rookie there, got visibly upset a few times. Very upset. One instance, Kevin Garnett had to calm him down, and another one, he pulled the jersey up over his face and was just angry. And you want to see that from players, I think. You want mm-hmm. to see those. You know, I want to see Emmanuel Moutier, when he's not playing well, be pissed off about it and be angry. You know, I don't want him to be kind of calm, cool, and collected all the time. But with your coach, I don't know if you want to see that or not. Do you want to see a coach that's that's really fired up? I mean, I know like Pete Carroll from the Seahawks gets really fired up when they're playing well, right? But when you think about the other side, when you're not playing well, when things aren't going right, and you're very frustrated, Malone very much wore his emotions on his sleeve in that game. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I have no idea. Well, let me tell you. It's a bad thing. 100%. It's a bad thing. That is the behavior of somebody who doesn't know what to do. And not only, and I'm not expecting everybody to know what to do and that be the right decision, but you have to have an idea of what you're going to do next. That's where success will inevitably breed itself, is from trial and error. And if you're three games in and you're throwing tantrums on the sideline, that was game two. Game two games in, not even one and a half games in, or whenever that happened. Right, that's that is a very bad what, omen. But what bugs? Unfortunately, what, what I'm is, sorry to hear that. What I've seen was I that second game I saw the Nuggets team that was exhausted, and you were thinking, why are they exhausted? Well, after the they game, did, the Malone, next day, Malone talked about no energy. Yeah. He talked about them walking the ball up the court all night, which he didn't seem to like. They were they were excited, and it was funny. The next day, Malone says, "Well, maybe I've been pushing them too hard in practice." Well, if you are doing practice to the point where your players are visibly exhausted in games, you need to probably. Ease back a bit. So, so you we, guys watch practices, right? So yeah. what are they doing in practice? Well, we don't get to see. We get to see the end of practice. Um, which is just them shooting which is throws. Yeah. So I do know. Out, they look? I, I do know that they're not quite as energetic. Um, the last two practices I've gone to, all they've been lazily shooting free throws at the end of practice. They always look like that, though. I mean, yeah. dating back from George Carl to Brian Shaw to Malone. Well, Brian, well, they don't well, look well Shaw, different. though, they would run sets. They they would run dummy sets at the end of practices where sometimes not really sometimes just shoot free throws. Not really where they're, they're not really doing anything. They're not really showing anything because they know the cameras are on. So they'll they'll just they would run some dummy sets, you know, and they would do it, you know, casually. And it wasn't it wouldn't be, you know, what I'm seeing are players who are exhausted, but. You have Danilo Gallinari, who played Eurobasket in the summer, and then they had summer two-a-days uh, in camp. You have players who are probably not used to this kind of thing because 
Because they're professional George, athletes and they're 23 years old. Why, George Carl. Why would they be used to? Yeah, why would you need to practice hard? Well, that's the thing, right? You know, Brian George Shaw, didn't, George didn't do this. Bullshit, right? I mean, but Brian Shaw sorry, never I'm had these it. guys. Brian Shaw never had them practice. So he was yeah. too soft. And now you're saying Malone's too hard. There's got to be some kind there's of medium a middle, there, right? There's a middle ground that. But they're also wearing these catapult s- vests that tell them if they're overworked. Self admittedly. Right? Well, remember, what? though. Remember, Wait, though. They have they have things Sorry. that track. They, there's there's technology that tracks how much you've been worked. Basically, like a Fitbit. Basically, mm, kind of yeah, but it's for your whole body. Jesus, it looks like a this team is doomed. Malone called it. He said it looks like a sports bra. And, and a lot of teams are wearing them now. Well, what happened was them. the the basically the catapult stuff said you're working Emmanuel Moutier far too hard, and he had was the the, the they basically forced Malone to sit him for a couple of games. This for is one, a revelation. Not a couple games. I've never, games no, was, no, I've never no, even heard he was, of this before. He was, did not play the last two preseason games. I've never heard of such a thing. And Oh, yeah, he did the sit. Well, the second one was the hamstring injury. First one was rest. Second one was hamstring. Kind of. But there's there's all this. That's that's kind of thing. And, 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 and This is absurd. Ross, sorry. Guy, I've never heard a more absurd thing in my life. The guy that you'd like to bring up is, is Andy Feinstein. And Feinstein has rallied for years saying, these guys are... You know they're on planes that have, they have masseuses, nutritionists. They're on luxury planes. They're not riding buses. To me, there's a very big aspect of the NBA of getting very soft. There's an argument I was listening to on a podcast where guys were saying LeBron James should only play 50 games this year. They shouldn't play him all 82. Did Michael Jordan ever have that kind of well, bullshit? You I know mean, what? I, I've, I've suspected the problem is with the NBA. And what's funny is we talk about you know like. Um, What's that guy's name? Chucky Brown. Chucky Brown. Power oh, forward Chucky. in the NBA. He was 6'7", 214 pounds. I mean, <laughs> That's what, what, a little, heard. what a little bitch. Little, right? yeah. 214 pound power forward. I mean, these guys in the NBA are freaking gigantic, right? I mean, they're, I mean, they're just, they're ripped, right? They're, they're probably spending too much time in the weight room, which is probably contributing to these injuries. I do wonder but, about the overtraining. I mean, I really do. They they take it to a different a level that's not really necessary, you know. I mean, and the notion that now they're like probably exacerbating the situation by putting vests on these guys, like full body Fitbits. Does that kind of give you, you know your who head you too bur- as a player? Like, do you know who you want to blame for this? Greg Popovich. <laughs> yeah, for he started the strategic resting of players about four or five years the ago. Strategic resting of players that has nothing to do with strapping a full body. No, 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 no. no but that's where it started. The you don't need to play players eighty-two games. Exactly. They literally started with him. That's totally fine. I, I, I completely understand that. But the, I think this the Nuggets are screwed, guys. Uh, they are, you know, relying on analytics and, and Fitbits and. And all this stuff that people should just know, right? Like you should have trainers and you should have coaches that know well, that's what what's Malone, going on. Here. That's what like, Malone says. Like, like, what is going on with the sport right now? When I hear things like this, I had no idea. And exactly, you make the exact same point. You know, Jordan. Sure, he took nights off, but but, but I wonder if that gets in your head as a player. Like, okay, I'm wearing this vest, and now my training staff's telling me I've been overworked. Does that mean I'm going to get injured soon? Is my body in trouble? Like, what's going on with me? Do I need to rest? Like, to me, that puts more thinking into the game for a player than maybe there needs to be. A hundred percent. Defining. They shouldn't even be involved in those. They shouldn't even know. Like, why would you put that in the player's mind 
that he's potentially being overworked. What if he's not being overworked? The vest tells me I'll be, I can see these guys calling their agent. Man, these guys are fucking up. My vest tells me that I've been overworked, and then they're putting me. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. this is a this is a. I've never even heard a worse thing. I I, I would be very concerned about the the future of this sport if this is where it's going. And it seems like I mean, there's a there's a there's people that like it, right? I mean, there's a certain percentage. Obviously, NBA teams are paying for this technology and paying for this service right so i mean there are people way smarter than than us local yokels sitting around you know talking about hoops that believe in this and have invested in this they're not but smarter they've just gone so far beyond they're, they've just it's the the momentum of, of where they've they've taken their own thoughts or you it can't it doesn't even reckon it doesn't even look like real basketball to me and it's how do you unring the bell okay, ross are you, are you talking about micromanaging it's well. It's it's t- it's trying to quantify every single aspect of a sport that defies all that type of thinking. It basketball we've talked about it before is 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 as much of an art as it is uh, a sport and science. It doesn't deserve as much uh, as it, it doesn't deserve a seat at the table equal to all the other things about it because. Because you can't take a sport like basketball. I've said this before. I can't believe that I just found out about this uh, Fitbit vest two seconds ago. <laughs> two weeks ago, I was saying by the by the time that we're dead, this old sport will be played by robots. Right. By it'll be played by avatars. Ex- that's exactly what's happening. I mean, right? I mean, we're trying to take this sport that is pure and. and, and and beautiful, and we're turning it into a freaking math equation. They're going to be like, you know, we, we've decided that injuries have become too much of the game. We're actually going to put our guys into machines yes. to play inside of. Well, exactly. I, I've always felt that you could <laughs> overthink injuries because sometimes injuries just happen. And, I, I, and yeah, you can be overworked but in about, certain situations, but in the grand scheme of things, 90% of all injuries just are things that happen. It's not because of overwork. It's not because of overtraining. It's just something that happens I on mean, the court. They're, they're, and, yeah. and do you like the vest? I mean, it sounds like you're arguing that Malone is working them too hard. No, no, no. I'm saying that the player's perspective on it is that they haven't been worked that hard before. And to be to be honest with you, they just seem tired. They'll get used to it. I think he probably needs to drop the the aggressiveness of it but to be honest with you it's a lot of it has to do with modern players not being worked to that extent i mean i'm sure modern i'm sure losers i'm sure dan issel worked the the mid-90s nuggets really hard i'm sure doug moan worked the 80s nuggets really hard so let's let's say the nuggets would have named tom thibodeau head coach of this team what what was your first thought well his his he's going to grind these players bones to dust he but his (laughs) thing is he would play his starters like 40 minutes a night you know and and that's that's where you get into ridiculousness Malone hasn't done that sort of thing. You know, in fact, all the players have been played, I would say, very reasonably in all these games. I, can't, I don't have any quibbles. I think the because players not, aren't used to it. You don't have any quibbles because they have been overplayed? No, no, no. I don't Are have you any, saying you don't have any quibbles because they've been played the, 
they just team. seem to be played the the correct amount. I mean, they none of them is getting no one is getting forty five fifty minutes a night. You know, it's not Allen Iverson playing forty five minutes a night because you know he's Allen Iverson. Um, there is a what I'm seeing is just a a relation between what they were worked under Shaw and to be honest with you, George Carl. And to what Mike, Michael Malone works, which is probably more akin to what was happening in the 90s, which is, I don't buy it. You know, I don't buy it. It's very bad news. <laughs> uh, the, one of the best things about sports is I would love that, to have the, the, the team that's worked the hardest. Like, yeah, dude. Yeah, work these yeah, guys. Yeah, but, but the, 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 best shape. the whole point of really, and it's not even just sports. It's kind of like in all human endeavors is that we, we really don't know what we're capable of until we do it. And when you start to quantify things like effort on a basketball court and other places, then now it's like you know what you can do, and you're going to do up until that point. 90% of the times where people are amazed about what they've done, they didn't even realize it until they did it. And then all of a sudden they have this greater scope, right? This, this, this greater ability that they did not have before. And and so I, I just it's it's I don't understand why we would want to change that about it and and you can't quantify or analyze yourself to a championship. It, it, there's some things that are just not quantifiable, and that's the biggest part of the difference between a champion and a non-champion, a champion and a loser. So I'm I'm a little blown away about it, to be honest. And I've been complaining about the analytics aspect of a basketball analysis and really all sports analysis for for a couple of years now. And this is the this is the result of that faulty way of thinking about sports right now. And that's what we see is we say, Well, it can't be the players because the you know, the players are going right up to their they hit their level, they hit their target on their Fitbit, so what it can't be their fault. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's gotta be Malone's fault because he's too hard on him and he throws tantrums and it's like, who's in charge of this freaking clown show over there? And why isn't somebody that actually knows something about this take charge? Because it's I'm, it's gotta be at some point I'll go back to the Cronkies. They yeah. gotta go. I mean you you do think about these these vests, and I, I do wonder about, like, what is it even telling them? Like, you've been overworked. It's like, I don't even know what that means. Oh, it's, it's your heart rate over the certain period of time with your oxygen levels, and it's, I'm sure that's what it is, your perspiration levels and blah, 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 and some some really smart person determined that there's certain levels well, that they should be at here, for absolutely no basis of experience probably they probably never played a game of basketball in their life just some company that's here, like we can make is, a shit ton of I mean, money if you here, ask michael jordan you know what, what what level did you did you uh did you uh, achieve during the you know the 76 point game against whatever team it was against cleveland in the playoffs or whatever you think you'd be like well it was a 96.4 <laughs> and it was really interesting because i knew i was only like at 92 the night before so what i did is i had some asparagus uh it's it, you know like a little shot of yogurt you know the greek stuff and then i noticed i went three points up the next game and scored 76 points and became the finals mvp <laughs> thank you michael jordan that is the most accurate michael jordan impression that's pretty much you know what he said you know what he says he says i beat those guys because they're fucking pussies and i'm better than them and that was it yeah, that's you know <laughs> that's listen, the analysis this is a quote from ruffle juke the uh our buddy, the uh, the international scout for the Nuggets, he said, I have felt for quite a few years the eyes are the most important in scouting. 
than my ears. What I can learn by listening, by interviewing, by traveling to where the young man is, is from and getting background. And then the numbers that we choose to use to be brought into the mix and making a decision. And I, and his, his prioritization of seeing and hearing over numbers is very interesting to me because I think in a lot of ways it's been flipped in the NBA where it's where the top, where the top of the pyramid is the bottom of the pyramid now. And I I don't know if it's that way for actual teams though. I feel like the way that it's been covered is definitely that way. It's, you know, I, I feel like analytics kind of are there to like aid writers in talking about the game, almost to bring like a different, like a math, well, what something it, into the game that it, like doesn't definitely need to be there. What it does is it enables people that don't truly understand the sport to understand it, right? Yeah, because you're it trying to quantify it, something it empowers that's unquantifiable. Them. And you could write a, a, a well-reasoned article that analyzes a, a, a particular competition without ever watching it because every stat is available known to man, right? Right. I, I mean – Location shots, whatever. There's this new uh, stat, you guys. It's probably 20 years old now, but you guys are talking about where it's like, what what their team does for the minutes they're on the court or something like that, or yeah, you know, plus minus, plus minus, minus or something like that. And it's like, you know, and everybody's looking for that one golden stat, and then other people are trying to combine them all together, and and that that sounds to me like that's what the Nuggets have been doing, is the opposite, which is which is do everything by the numbers. Let's run this team from a boardroom. Let, let's sit down and do PowerPoints and analyze and do spreadsheets and analyze a team when you really just need some guys that kind of get along, want to play for each other, and are pretty good at basketball and see where it takes them. That's the difference between you know, a really mediocre team and, and, and a championship team. Because I wonder, too, like, when you look at the Warriors, you know, everybody wants to talk about they're obviously the best team in the NBA. Did anyone know that whatever, you know, when they beat the Nuggets in the playoffs, was there any analytics that suggested that David Lee should get hurt and that they should bring in Harrison Barnes and play him at power forward and all of a sudden this small ball magical combination was going to take off? If, if they would have had numbers to say that, Mark Jackson would have played that team from, the, from Jump Street, as Michael Yes, loves and to that, say. Is, that is extremely true. And they were very and, – and – he actually, Michael Malone, I'll give him credit for this. He has pointed out this, that the, the, that team, despite whatever analytics and three-pointers and whatever with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, he said that they were extremely fortunate to face a Nuggets team that didn't have Danilo Gallinari and an injured Kevin, uh, Kenneth Furry was playing in that series. What it really boiled down to was injuries, which is unquantifiable analytics you cannot quantify it it's just something that happens and something that happens is something that is indicative to every single sport that you can play so is that what this fitbit vest is trying to do is trying to prevent injuries i don't know to be honest with you i still haven't got my hands and my mind around it's the what worst, it's for it's the worst thing i've ever heard by the way yeah because i, I think I'm that's a little what, confused i think that's what it is, is it's trying to let you know that a guy is you know, probably close to getting injured or something it, it in, probably, in a certain way. This type know? of technology probably would uh, 
Sound like scared old men talking about this thing. I don't know what it does, but it does. Stuff. I don't. I don't. I don't like. Me. I don't like the moving pictures. You put it on and it hurts you. I don't know. It pro- this probably. By the way, this whole concept probably is the uh, d- explains the fall of, downfall of Tiger Woods. By the way, he was. He was. Uh, that's a good guy. point. He was. No, this I agree. Guy with who was out there. Training simulations, talking about ball spin and all this stuff, and, and you know, in the weight room, working with trainers, doing. He's probably hooked up. He probably pioneered the Fitbit vest at at, at the at the at the Nike campus in Beaverton, Oregon, right? And yeah, I mean, look at what happened to him. He lost his mojo, and then these young guys are out there just gripping it and ripping it and nailing putts and and. You don't ever hear Jordan Spieth talking about this stuff. You just talk about how blessed he is, and let's get back to that. There's something br- like, to be, be said. Just be happy to be here. Thank Jesus, and make some buckets. <laughs> there's, there's something, and you'll be fine. There's something to be said for not thinking. That's and the just whole doing. point of sports, you know. And it's like, uh, especially if you, if you asked some of the biggest superstars who's ever who've ever been in the NBA, even Kobe, like ten years ago. They will all tell you, I just go out and play, and I just do what I do. They don't overthink it. They don't think, well, this high percentage shot is over here. That's for people who need to think about that sort of thing, which is that's role a, players and all that sort of thing. People that's who actually, need to, That's actually coaches. Yeah, and coaches but too. The coaches shouldn't share that with the player, right? Like they should coach in a way that it, as, a, as a puppet master would position chess pieces, right? Yeah. So that this – he knows this is a high percentage spot. Let's push him to that. You don't need to explain this to these guys. These guys are the best athletes in the world. Yeah. You know, put them in a position to succeed, and they'll hit the shots. You know, and, and superstars, you don't need to. I mean, LeBron takes some awful shots. He takes some awful contested shots. But you know what? In the end of the, at the end of the day, you know he's going to do everything it takes to put the team on his back and win. You know, he's going to do what it takes to make that sort of thing easier for his teammates, too. Well, even in the thing thing with LeBron as well is, okay, let's say that, you know, he takes these impossible shots and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, somebody will point out, well, he only makes X percentage of those shots. He only makes 25% of them or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but guess what? I mean, during the course of a game... You can't plot out every single shot and every single exactly. thing. Exactly. So you have to have room for error and room for saying, "Hey, he took that shot. He missed it." I mean, you can't because basketball can't. is a flow sport. Because if you say if you say that from this particular spot on the court, that player only makes twelve percent of his shots, right? Yeah. What you're doing is you're taking every single shot and you're saying it's an equal shot. What if uh, you made twelve out of a hundred, but three of them we're game-winning shots, right? Does does that does that mean the other shots are equal? What if one of them he's kind of whatever he, he threw it up early on? Okay, that's first a miss. quarter. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Not all shots are equal, and that's what that's what statistics and analytics do is it removes all situational stuff out of it, and they they keep coming up with other stats right to try and make up, but you can't do it no matter how hard you try. Every single scenario, you say, okay, well, it can only be this shot with this many seconds into the game against this team. There's not enough data to, conf- to create, create a large enough sample to make that valid or even actionable. It has to be an actionable piece of intelligence in order for you to actually uh, use that as a way to run a team. So 
Well, this is this is my perspective, and this is going to get rid of it. This is going to be done. This is done. Podcasting. This is too technologically advanced. This is this is (laughs) next week. Join us on call signal (laughs) KR W. We're going to be broadcasting from a ham radio. radio. Actually, got us some Um, uh, some catapult technology. It's a a vest that goes around our throats and let us know it's our Fitbits. If we (laughs) Fitbit. one of my favorite players, and this is going to make Nate nuts. I need a lot of. People and a lot of (laughs) a lot of people who are follow analytics will just this will drive them nuts too. As you as most people know, then one of the the early early nineties Knicks were one of my favorite teams. I loved Patrick you Ewing. You don't get to talk about early 90s anything anymore. After yeah, you don't know shit about the early 90s. Everywhere, yeah. man. I'm sorry. I didn't know Chucky sorry. Brown. Okay. So, you know about the early 90s NBA. No, you know about the early 90s Bulls, Pistons, and Knicks, and that's it. I forgot about Rod Strickland, okay? I don't blink. Um, from Cleveland? <laughs> no, but anyway, Patrick Ewing. I might have been wrong about that. His <laughs> bread and butter shot was a turnaround 15-foot shot. And in today's NBA... Who Moses? Someone Malone? there would be some little twerp who's telling him, tweet, 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 that, uh, tweet, "You need tweet. to not do that. Uh, you need to like, tweet, take tweet. two steps backward tweet. because you got big steps, <laughs> or you need to tweet, tweet. come two tweet, steps tweet. inward." Okay, please. And then they'd be overthinking things. I would rather people just take the shots that they know that they'll make, and then let the role players hit the high percentage shots because. That is where you make a complete team, in my view. But, of course, I know I'm going to hear about this later because there are a bunch of analytics people listening to this going, uh, uh, this is the worst advice I've ever heard. Basketball <laughs> tweeters <laughs> tweeting away. You know what they'll do, though? This is where they get you. They say, well, actually, we went down and analyzed the 93 ball, and it turns out their <laughs> statistics fit this model precisely. Yeah, guess what, Dick? They didn't know it at the time. Okay, they there's didn't a, know that at the time they were just playing basketball. And there's also I, I enjoy a lot You're of the uh, trying to push the horse with the uh, cart. Nate Nate's trying to bring us back from well, just, offending a lot of people. I, I do enjoy a lot of the writing about analytics and like I was talking today. There was I was following a little conversation on Twitter and they were just talking about assists and somebody was asking if they track. This is kind of weird. So they're asking if they track missed assist opportunities. Like if Moutier passes the ball to Gallo at the three-point line yeah. and Gallo misses the shot, it would be kind of interesting. Like some of this stuff is just somewhat interesting to know, like how many open shots did Moutier passes cr- create assist opportunities? Dropped passes is what you're saying. Yeah, like if he had – Do he they had, track drop passes? That's what they call in the NFL. I don't know why they have to not call it missed passes. assists in the NBA. Well, it wouldn't be drop pass. It would be a missed – Scoring opportunity, right? Like it would be a missed assist. So like, in, in let's say Moody has seven assists during the game, but in actuality, he created like 15 scoring opportunities. opportunities. Scoring right. opportunities. Like, those are kind of interesting. I, I understand where some of this stuff plays a, a piece in the puzzle, and I enjoy it, and I, I use it. And I, I just wrote a, a piece the other day about where the Nuggets' shots are coming from and where they rank in the league on those shots and things. It's, it's, it's somewhat interesting to, to look at that stuff. But in no way do I think that it should you know, influence how a guy plays because there's no way to do that. There's no way to, to have a guy play a perfect game where he's doing everything correct like we were just talking about. You know, like I'm only going to take this shot because I know it's the highest opportunity shot. James Harden just opened the season like 3 of 32 from three-point land or 6 yeah, of 32 or something. You know, yeah. 
So it's like, even if you're taking good shots and you don't make them, there's, you know, are those bad shots? Are they good shots? I mean, it's, it's funny and it's, it's interesting to see where the game's evolving. I don't like a lot of where it's going from the writing perspective. I think there's too many people thinking they know too much, but at the same time, I do appreciate learning some new things about the game. There's a room, Nate. There's room. I for, knew I could see. There's I could room see the wheels turning. <laughs> okay. There's room. Reel them back. I'm not saying there isn't. <laughs> if a guy goes one for ten from the free throw line, that is not a useless statistic. You might yeah. want to foul that guy. Yeah. A little bit more than you foul another guy. Okay. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Right. But to a certain point, and all I'm saying is the statistics we had, or they had in 1990, probably were enough. And they were all good statistics. Shooting percentage, win-loss. These are good statistics. They paint a picture. I don't know about all this other stuff. It's malarkey. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, it, it's, it's, you know, and when I was pointing out with, with Nate, and Nate's good, very good at bringing Ross and I back from the brink. Because, um, you know. <laughs> well, I just think that I, I do think that most of the analytical writing about the NBA is just meant for fans to try to understand more of the game than it is about actually trying to, you know, people want to write articles thinking that they're going to affect what actually happens on the court. That shit just ain't going to happen. Some of it is. I know, I'd even know that, you know, the Nuggets showed a player. This is a good example. So the Nuggets showed a player a couple seasons ago numbers of when he shot after dribbling, like one to two dribbles, or when he his shooting percentage is when he just caught the ball and shot it, right? And it was much higher on catch and shoots than it was dribbling. And that makes sense, and it's good to show guys that, but at the same time, that guy's not going to always just catch and shoot because you can't just always catch and shoot. There are some times where you have to shoot off the dribble. But that's you know? only important. That's only a valuable piece of information if it's unique to that player. Wouldn't you guess that... Most players' shooting percentage from a catch and shoot is higher than from a dribble than shoot. Yeah, it is. The only guy so, that's like the outlier is like Steph Curry. Okay, so, so yeah. we already know that, right? And, right. and knowing that again doesn't make you smarter. It just means you just wasted created time. a list. You just wasted sorts. time well, breaking down something it, it, that everybody already kind of knew intuitively. You know, I got yeah. easier to catch and shoot. I got to point this. Knows that. I got to point <laughs> I like this. That, I got to yeah. point this out because in a flow sport like basketball it's hard to have a constant because there's different opportunities on every play and you cannot have a stationary thing like in football where you're running regimented things plays against plays reaction against whatever's going on it is really militaristic this is really rigid kind of thing and in basketball you're going up and down you're reacting you are going to different areas on the court sometimes you end up in a place that you weren't intending there's no, there, there, the variable that you're counting on is never going to be there. So all statistics are nebulous, regardless of what you're, I mean, like I said, the outliers, you were pointing out, Nate, the outlier is Steph Curry, who hits shots he shouldn't, I mean, they would, everyone would tell you you shouldn't be taking this. Yeah. And, and two, it's, it's, since he's hitting it, well, then it's his thing. So you tell him, okay, just go ahead and shoot it, even though it's a horrible percentage shot. You know, you're shooting off your back foot, going backwards, but somehow you still make it in. It's one of those things. But there's no constant. There's no there's no rock hard variable that you can count on because it is a flow sport. And I kind of get into that too with with 
when I, when I talk with people about shooting form. Like I mentioned something early in preseason about how Moutier was had a tendency to fall to his left on jump shots. Yeah. Like he pushes to his left a little bit. It's weird. But I was like, you know, I mean, if it works, it works. You know, Sean Marion shot, and it works. And there's a lot of people that think that, you know, you have to teach perfect shooting form and everybody has to shoot a certain way. Have you seen true. Jim Furyk from a golf club? Right, exactly. It makes I mean, me want to throw up. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of different things. And it's a, I think basketball is a funny sport, Jeff, like you were just saying. There's so many possessions. There's, there's so much flow. There's so many different things that happen. I mean, it's just you're never going to have a team that's going to play – you, you you can't draw everything. You can't it's, draw everything up. There's so many different it. variables. You can't account for everything, and that's obvious too. You know, right? and, and and listen, I'm not <laughs> okay. It sounds I'm going to have to reel this back myself. I'm not ragging on analytics. I think I'm I'm ragging on absolutes because there's not any in in, in sports. I mean, analytics have changed the way we play basketball, and I would say that's definitely um, people don't run post sets for big men anymore. It's just. Not I every mean, time. I mean, not, they yeah, still the, do. The, the, but. but it's not like it was, say. There's circa, a lot of good young big men in the league, Circa actually. 19, yeah, but they're not your traditional big men. They'll shoot three-pointers. Yeah, they're, 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 they're athletic, stretchy big men. Some of them. I mean, but, like, even like, like Towns got the job done inside. Okafor's looked pretty damn amazing. I mean, gone, right are, I mean, there's, there's, gone are the days of the Elijah Wands, Ewings. Yeah, um, but there's no reason why that can't know. come back. I mean, the NBA is going to – thats it's trends, right? You know who the outlier is there? Is Jalil Orkafor. Yeah. He's very much a traditional big man. Even maybe Nurkic is the same way. I mean, yes. Yeah, Nurkic. Uh, and uh, you can't count uh, Pau- or, uh, Marcus All on this because he shoots primarily elbow jumpers. But it's going to go – It's going it, everything goes in trends in the NBA, right? So eventually this new fad of going small, finding guys like Draymond Green that can play mm-hmm. power, Danilo Gallinari, all these guys that can, that can do certain things as a power forward, eventually there's going to be a movement back to size basketball. There's going to be – the game's going to get bigger again eventually, I think, because mm-hmm. it just it, – there's going to be an advantage to having a team like Memphis at some point, I think. I don't know. Maybe uh, not. i tell you what, Memphis – people have caught up to Memphis – yeah, but they're old, you know, they're not, I mean, Zach Randolph's old. I just think that, it, you know, everything moves in trends. And yeah. You're going to see this NBA small ball thing is eventually, I don't know how many years, but it's going to move back big at some point, I think. And maybe the big guys like Carl Anthony Towns become dudes that... Well, Towns isn't even what you would call... monsters tra- that can shoot threes. Traditional. I mean, the only, like I said, the only one I've seen is, is Jalil Okafor, who really is a big guy who does post moves. You just don't see that anymore because you, you, you don't teach them. Even watching Nurkic before you know? a game the other night against Minnesota when he was out pregame shooting three-pointers, I'm like, why would we want our seven-footer on the perimeter? He should be under the basket rebounding. Yeah, but Arvidas Sabonis. You know, Arvidas. All centers yeah. shoot three-pointers now, right? Yeah, all seven-footers. Kind of sort of, yeah. It's funny. I mean, the game's changing. I like a lot of where it's going. I don't like some of it, but it's it's doomed. It's still fun, baby. It's, it's still fun. It's doomed. We should all just start following the League of Legends World Championships now. I don't even know what that is. That is a, a video. That game. is a role, RPG. Rocket propelled grenade. <laughs> role playing game. Perfect. All right, guys. We've gone way over time. How much here. time? How much time are we going? Two hours into this beast, Boom. This beast of Jeez. a podcast. Is this really worth two hours? But we did take a break, so yeah, we'll count that one break. All right, guys, Ross, thanks for coming down. 
appreciate you being <laughs> Thanks here. for joining us on your on our on your podcast. Jeff, you guys are talking about how, uh, love to have you guys on as guests tonight. There didn't <laughs> used to be like a true value to owning a sports team. Like it, it was just some sort of like ego thing, or that's kind of like owning a podcast, right? Like, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Basically, you're part of here? a weird club. You know what we really need to do <laughs> is we need to get Anthony's Pizza as a sponsor. Shouldn't have said it. Why? Yeah, just nobody listened to this point anyway. This <laughs> why are you? Why are you concerned about this? <laughs> Unless I think it look, was that good. Tonight, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, recipe, uh, a representative of thought, Anthony's I Pizza. I thought that crust was <laughs> bull garbage. Yeah, yes. it was a bad crust. Tonight. It was a little great. Gummy. Yeah. It was a gummy crust. Yeah. Man, disappointing. But it could be just the location. So Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we'll be back talking about all this uh, great sports man. stuff next week. I've been everywhere, Bye. man. Oops.